Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Bam, we're live. Hobart got to go. I'm upgrading to Ben Bergeron. Bye. (laughs) Was that James? That was Hobart. Oh, man. I don't know if he's ever called me. It was so weird. It's a good dude. He is a good dude. Good. Dude. You know, I, I always get him confused. I always think that um, for a second, I always think that he owns CrossFit um, New England. Oh, yeah. But you pay taxes on that joint, right? I do. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so he, was weird. A part, he was a part of this ride for a while, though. Yeah, it's because there's a there's a there's kind of like that iconic picture of him with the um, CFNE red shirt on. Like anytime you go uh, to Google Images, and he's all got his arms crossed. And oh yeah, cool. That's that's the picture. What's up, Brian? That beard is fierce, sir. Brian, I haven't seen the beard at all, man. This is my first. Time. I was like, damn. Good morning, that's guys. Fierce. Good I like morning. it. Thank you. Brian's a Brian's a grown up. <laughs> um. Ben, do you know Matt Souza? He's the owner of CrossFit Livermore. What's up, Matt? Hey, Ben, you guys, how you doing? I've seen the name before. I've seen him floating I've, around. I've uh, actually attended your uh, immersion in January of 2016. Whoa! Yes, sir. It was actually awesome, a very pivotal, pivotal point uh, coming back as well. Super so thank cool. you for that. Yeah. And how do you That's know awesome. Brian? How do I know Brian? Yeah. Because Brian's a, a, a celebrity in the CrossFit space. Fuck. No, no, no. Savan, do you know that I, I think yeah, the yeah. celebrity, I think either the, I think the third podcast I ever did with you, Ben Bergeron was on it. It was at the 2018 regionals. 15, that was podcast number 15. Okay. <laughs> do you know, Ben, I had my first bad podcast last night. And, well, um, and and then and and then right after my podcast, I watched a bunch of Ben Bergeron stuff, and like it really it helped me. It was like fucking crazy. It was like for real. Oh, dude, for real, crazy helped me. I got I was uh, just looking at some videos of you and Grandpa Patrick Cummings, um, <laughs> not because his voice is weak, but because it's soothing. Holy crap, that guy's got that guy. He he's a genre in a mood. How is he not doing professional voice work? Does he do professional voice work? He's done some voiceover stuff before. He used to do um, like really early CrossFit stuff, you know, like when Again yeah. Faster was a yeah. thing. Yeah, he, I totally he, I remember all that. He produced all yeah. those videos and did voiceovers. Himself. I'm talking were, big time shit, like uh, like the net Notebook 2, you know what I mean? Like some like romantic <laughs> thing where it's like with Ryan Gosling and shit, like some tearjerker crap. Or a Christmas story, remake of the Christmas story. I mean, he's good. Okay. Anyway, what Christmas I was back to me. You have a Christmas story like the the one with the little kid. Like I can't put my arms down. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's but but that was different. Oh, there Sorry. was a voiceover was, though. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah, was. Like a, the, yeah. Like he was, could uh, be Santa. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or yeah. Uh, or something with uh, the Coen Brothers could use that voice. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> he's artsy too. Woo. He's good. But, but you don't have the same way I don't have Brian's name on this. Oh, this is not the direction of the podcast was supposed to go. The same way I don't have this as the Sevon and Brian podcast. You don't have it as the Patrick Cummings and Ben Bergeron podcast. You don't give no love to Patrick. No, well, no I love mean, to Brian. I don't think we call it the Ben Bergeron podcast, but it's not that. We at the bottom, it. at the bottom, buddy, on that red screen. Yeah. 
Look at is your, isn't he, yours called the Savan podcast? Yeah, hey, hey, let's let's stay focused on you. This show's about you. Let's talk about how you're fucking your the guy, not Savon how I'm fucking my guy. Podcast. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I know that this man's tagline right now in his life is operating at the speed of trust, and I think I'm dropping the ball. I'm not building trust, building walls. Author withdrawal is happening right now. This is a uh, a brilliant line. I want to I want to I want to tell you guys something about Ben that I think that he does uh, that he doesn't know that I think and he might say is totally wrong. Life is a record and it's just spinning and we have different size records and when you get to the end of your record your needle picks up and it starts at the beginning again and it, the, your record's like fully written by the age of like two or three and then it, the record just plays over and over and over and you have no chance of getting out of it unless unless there is one way to get out of that record that plays over and over and some people have really big records and some people have small records and um ben built a big record and now he at the center of that record is something that's calling all of us like it's it's like the where the battery exists and some of us get the desire to see that battery and if you see that battery there's a stillness that, that occurs or if you become that battery if you make it to the center of your circle for a split second and you can actually allow a new story to build on your record that's the only way to rewrite your record that makes sense i think gandhi said it in a different way he said if you don't stop thinking you'll always have the same thoughts over and over and over and what he's saying is, is you need moments of silence to channel in new thoughts it's like do you want to be a radio that's always getting new fresh transmissions or do you just want to be a tape that plays over and over so ben built this record and from the outside it looks like a dope record it's a good ass life helping people making money beautiful wife kids but for some reason he has the he's having the itch to get to the center of that circle and see what's there. So he has started a very intense and serious meditation practice and breathing practice. He suspects there's something there for him. And when you get to the center of the circle, it's like one of those restaurants that's on a needle. That thing doesn't spin. And so when you put your foot on it, you get energized and you feel all this power and safety, but it's so hard picking your foot up from the outside circle that's still spinning. And so slowly it rips you in half until your anus gets bigger. No, that's just, <laughs> that's just where the visual goes bad. But that is, um, I think that is what Ben Bergeron's doing. Now, a lot of people don't even try to ever make that attempt to make it into the center of the circle. Um, they, they know it's there. They sense it's there. And that's not what this podcast was going to be about. But then after <laughs> digging into Ben, I'm like, holy shit, he's going to make a run for the center. And, and I should have noticed it right away because he made a post a while back about um, Michael Singer, Untethered Soul. He's like, hey, these are the last five or ten books I've read. And then someone wrote in the comments, what's the best book? And he said this one. I'm like, what's this nonsense Ben's reading? Holy fuck, there's no nonsense there at all. This, this If you have not read um, Michael Singer's Untethered Soul, um, I, I – listen to the audiobook and it's fucking it's hilarious because a thousand other yogis and gurus and all these people have said it with all this spiritual blah 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 and this guy just gives it to you like look just put flour and egg and water and throw it in the oven at 350 <laughs> so fucking great and here we are uh here we are 
operating at the speed of trust. And so in this, in the, in the, I know I'm supposed to be interviewing Ben, um, in Ben's <laughs> world, when he describes trust, one of the things he would describe it as, and this is in the record in the outside world in the record, trust is like, Hey, we're going to meet at five and, um, and, and, and you show up there and your wife's not going to cheat on you. And, um, your kids are going to bring their report card home. But in the center of the circle, trust is something totally different. And, and trust at the center of the circle is – hold on. Maybe I can get, maybe I can get a famous Sevon quote started here. I wrote it down when I was on the assault bike last night. Uh, 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 trust is when you set people free from your expectations. So basically trust is free from all expectations. So trust in the center of the circle is someone doesn't show up for dinner at five and you're like, yeah, that's, they weren't supposed to, I guess. How the fuck is Ben going to bridge those two worlds? especially because he made such a great record and, and you know do you feel any of that what i'm saying ben i didn't know I, so whenever we talk i never know where, where this is gonna go me neither i wasn't yeah. i was taking a shower and i'm like oh fuck yeah. am i really gonna go i really just want to know what like, happened between him and matt fraser yeah. but fuck we ended up we ended up, i'm right. like holy fuck this fucker is gonna make a shot to become enlightened and have to how's he gonna do it and i was just with fitness lonnie do you know him yes yeah. And he just came back from being in the forest for five years and he hung out at my house for 25 or you know, a day and sent me to the moon and back. You know what well, I mean? Don't you think it's so crazy that this is like this? Cause I know that you're into this as well, that we're all, this is kind of the thing that we're all chasing now that no one was, we, none of us were really talking about this 15 years ago. I, I tried, I tried to, Did I you? had this. Yeah. Well, so I, so I used to make these Chris Spieler videos back in the day. And I would yeah. put the, put the Tao Te Ching, Stephen Mitchell translation, like underneath it, like words and shit. And I used to explain to Greg and Lauren that, um, CrossFit is actually forcing a spiritual revolution yes. because of the focus it puts on breathing. And even though I love Miko to death, I think the greatest thing you can do when you're fucking wounded is fucking lay down and watch your breath and stop thinking and all your problems go away. I mean, CrossFit forces you into this Taoist mindset and they thought I was fucking nuts. And I had this conversation with Greg one time when we were driving and I love Greg to death and we we're driving to um, Prescott and he said, Hey, if you can't be measured, it doesn't exist. And he told me the five measurements that are in the world. And I go, but what if there's a measurement that we don't know? And he said, don't be fucking ridiculous. And of course that he drug me into the conversation. That's a form of ad hominem. And that, that's where the conversation stops. Right. right? But, um, but I'm, I've always been, um, sorry, I don't mean to refute, I don't mean to refute you, but I, I am yeah, a, uh, yeah. I'm no, a, I, love that. That's I was a, ho- I mean, I was a homeless man who stumbled into CrossFit. I have, I have real faith. So I, I think I, what, I, I think I, I came, the, I think I came the other way. So I kind of, that's got, what's crazy. I kind of, you have a huge record. Yeah. I had a small little record. It was easy to give up. You got I this still big don't know what you're talking about with a record, but I'm gonna play along. <laughs> <laughs> you will, my friend. <laughs> no, I do like in terms of we are, we are, we are um everything's pre-programmed from our past conditioning, and it just um our everything that we do is basically uh um you know the matrix sets it up for us. So we're just kind of like experiencing life that we don't get to see the real realities. And I'm I'm with you on all that stuff. And here's the way like I, you said it to Patrick. You said that there's a vo- the same story over and over in your head yeah. in, in one of the podcasts. Okay, that's what I'm referencing yeah. as the record. No, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, I kind of got 
I try to meditate like years ago, every, every year or two, you try to meditate. Everyone tries to do because they know it's supposed to be good for you, but it felt so forced and so hollow and not rewarding. And I was the type of person that was like, well, I'm very introspective. I'm grew up like an extreme introvert, spend days. It seemed like the way I remember it days upon days of high school, not talking to anybody. So I felt like I was really comfortable in my own head. And because of that, I was like, that's why I don't need to meditate. Because people are saying, like, you have to do this to be able to, like, slow your thoughts down and be able to think about certain things. And um, and I got, I got tricked into a little bit because I started reading Stoic philosophy because it was kind of badass. It, was a little, it, it translated really well to my athletes and this space that we're in of this, like, hard charging, um, you know, um, I'm in control of my life, figure out what you can control, what you can't control. Death is coming to us all, make the best of it as you can, all of those type of things. And then while I was kind of like, uh, sitting with that stuff for a lot, I got introduced to, we have one of our members who has a chronic illness and she was doing, um, working with a Wim Hof breath coach to try to like boost her immune system and gain control of the autonomic nervous system and all that stuff. So I went and I had read his books. I had tried a couple times on my own and I went and worked with a breath coach, uh, a Wim Hof coach for a few sessions. And it was like, whoa, like some dope, dope stuff happening in your head. Like, um, and what, so fast forward, I start getting into more spirituality stuff, reading Michael Singer, Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra and all these things. And, um, the parallels along the way with, uh, um, you know, the stoic philosophy and all this, it's it just like everyone's talking about the same stuff. So Deepak fell off the path. Sorry to break it to you on the, just well, like that. Um, so speaking of Deepak, so I started working, so I got introduced to Deepak's cousin and his, his cousin is a, um, a pranayama breath coach. He's also a, uh, an MD surgeon in three different places, cardiovascular and all these. And what he found was, you know, really good, you know, he's Boston mass general, like super successful, and he's like, I'm curing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing these uh, uh, massive life-saving surgeries on people that this is all preventable. It's preventable through the breath work that we learned as children growing up in India. So got introduced to Pranayama um, um, breath work stuff. And I've been working with him for a few months now, um, Heather and I both, my wife. And w- through all this practice, you know, it's... I think this comes, I don't know if it's, but I realize that we're, no matter where we are, no matter who you are, everyone tries trying to find their purpose. Like everyone just wants that thing. They want their purpose. They want the meaning of life. They want to um, know what that is. Yet it's so elusive and it's so abstract for people that they have a hard time pinning it down. And I believe that if you know, you know, it kind of goes awareness, intention, action, like those three, that's kind of the, 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 the flywheel of life. If you have an awareness of certain things, then you know how to be really intentional. Like, let's go do this thing, get yourself dialed in and then take action because really the first two mean nothing without action, but you can't do the action without the first two because you could be climbing ladders and leaning up against the wrong wall or just spinning a wheel really fast and not really going anywhere. So when you have that awareness of what your purpose is, whether it's in I honestly, I had this conversation with Chandler and Amanda this morning about like, like understand what Amanda your, Barnhart. Yep. Oh so man. Ama- imagine you what saw her in person today. 
I did. Yeah, I see. Her. I think he sees uh, her can almost you imagine? Every day. Like he saw. Did you see? What did Chandler have his shirt off? He not yet. No, that'll be this afternoon. God, yeah. that's crazy that you get to hang out with them. That's like statues that move. It's for real. Both of them. Yeah. yeah. It's Chandler's yeah. as, as like as, claymation at its best. Yeah. No, he's like he's like. You know, when we were growing up in those, like those, like He-Man action figures, he, like He-Man wishes he was Chandler. Like He-Man <laughs> wishes he, he was Amanda Barnhart. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda Barnhart actually played strong safety for the Patriots this past weekend. Amanda did? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's she's, great. she's built just like him. Yeah. Yeah. She's, I don't, when she's on the field, I don't even watch anyone else. I just want to see her move around. Yeah. Like I don't like, care what place she's in. Yeah. Nothing. And and everything to boot, she's got it's and she's got like that hobo. Hobart. You better care what place she's in if you want to see her. If she's not in first, you probably won't. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> Even if yeah, she is, you might that. not. Are we? Are you taking a, a a knock at like media, like the way they cover people? Uh, seven, <laughs> seven, uh, and I. We've talked about how you know he he loves watching Travis Mayer, but the event that Travis Mayer won his heat at the CrossFit Games is he never got any screen time, and mm. Seven was very sad about it. The the whole uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to get you back on track here, Ben. The, the after I say this, the whole thing about sport is it's competition. If 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 you if the if the commentators aren't talking about who's in first and who's in second and talking about them com- the competition, then it's just people working out. It's like football. If there's no other team on the field, it's just dudes throwing the ball and running sprints. Late, it's just late. So you have to have the other team. So they there's this event at the games where it's Scott Panchek and Travis Mayer for seven and a half minutes, fucking within a half a second of each other, and they never show Travis Mayer. So what no, the so, fuck is that? So I, I so this is really That's interesting hearing you because like you are a big part of this team for a very long time. It's been it's been this most puzzling thing to me forever. Is and I think I understand where it came from. But when you watch the CrossFit Games, they go from close up shot of one athlete to close up shot of another athlete, and they no other sport does that. Even individual <laughs> sports, even like in tennis, they don't go like here's Serena hitting it. Here's, I mean, who else is it? Steffi Graf hitting it. That shows my, like, they don't do that in any, like any, like it's show the race. And then you use the replay to show the close-ups. What if, what if in porn, they just showed the penis going in and out, but you never saw the vagina. So you never knew if there was even anyone there. It was like that close up. We just saw a shaft moving. Sorry, just everything's got to have a porn opponent. Everything has to have a porn opponent. Everything has to have a porn. I would, I would just uh, clarify, Ben. I don't think Sevan was ever part of the broadcast team. I think he was <laughs> documenting media in a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could, have, I yelled at them. You could have had a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I yelled at them a lot. So is it because they believe that they want to show the emotion of the sport? That's what I remember hearing. It like that. There's so much emotion in our sport, and they want like. Then why are they doing it? Because they don't know bad. what they're because they don't know what they're doing. There's no one there. Like there's no ideology. There's no vision. There's no big picture for the games it, from the broadcasting. And you know who it really fucks is is it fucks Chase and Sean and Tommy and those guys because people blame them, but it's not their fault because they're not watching the event. They're watching the screen too. That's right. And so they can't say. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but no, it's just because no one is saying. No one has like said to them pulled the whole team together. I'm guessing. I mean, I haven't been in every single meeting, but the meetings I have been in, no one has said to them and pounded into them, hey, you're going to be fucking fired if you don't show the competition. The whole point yeah, is no we need to build right. the tension and pressure and a narrative. And there's and, also and no competition. Free narrative. Free narrative. Go ahead. Sorry, Brian. There's also no competition to really to broadcast a CrossFit event. 
they were never done before. People had to learn how to do it. And the company that's doing it now is the only one that's ever really done it for the games. And everyone else outside media companies that try to do this at sanctionals, they are not familiar with the sport of CrossFit. And it's a very different sport to shoot than, you know, horse racing or, uh, you know, a sailing yeah, event know, or something but like even, that. But even horse racing, they show all the horses. They don't just <clears> zoom in on one horse. And then even sailing, they show the sailing events. The, the only time what I'm one saying athlete is, is when it's one, it's like skiing. Like that's like, or gymnastics. True story. I got, I, I edited porn for a week and I got fired <laughs> because I tried to put a narrative in there. They're like, there's too many cuts and it's not a story. They just want to fuck. And it's the end. But I tried to make it like this girl went missing and they were trying to find her and, and, and they're like with like title card and I got fired. Right. You just need to, you true, need to move to true. soft porn. That's like, you know, like <laughs> the skin, <laughs> the skin Yeah. Uh, um, Dylan Val, Dylan, you, this is our, um, this is a guy. He's a, uh, aspiring professional fighter, Ben, and he always gives money. I can't, the world needs Ben's podcast. It's constantly pushing and mapping out how to have an agency over one's life. Wow. Well said. Um, the biggest impact we can have on the world is for every individual to chase excellence. Longtime fan. Thanks guys. Dylan, uh, Ben has a Super new book cool. out. It is called. That's awesome, Dylan. Thanks man. It is called, you can jump in. Unlocking potential. Unlocking potential. <laughs> so prepared for this, Savon. Really I, I have four pages of notes. I fuck myself. Definitely, Too many notes. That's the easiest. That's the. <laughs> but we got the record thing in the porn in, so we're good. <laughs> um, the audio book is not available yet, or else I would own it. Uh, ben, I... Right. Yeah, that just takes a long time. Not that writing a book doesn't, but hey, it's Patrick Cummings' fault. Is yes. it going to be your voice, Ben? It will be. Yeah. Yeah. When, do you enjoy listening time? back to your own voice? No, no. Does anybody? Besides Savan, Savan. Yeah, actually, I listened to my pod after two hundred and some odd podcasts. I li- uh, the other day I was had my wife's phone and she was listening to it and I hit play on it and I started laughing. I'm like, "Fuck, I'm funny." <laughs> hey Ben, how like I know. I'm like I just never I knew that. It. I hate myself. Hey Ben, how difficult was it for you to read the first the first book? Was that a really hard? No, I, we talked about this on the last podcast I was on with Savon. It's super hard because I'm dyslexic, so yeah. it's like not only is it hard because it's hard anyway, but I can't read, so it makes it really really hard. Yeah, and then I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I have no direction. To your point, I'm like I have no media people. I have no like person in the booth being like this is how you should do this or like make sure you bring a glass of water in there or like right. it's just like. And if you forget a word or mispronounce one, your whole line's gone. You got to restart. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, and if so, the second rodeo hopefully is a little bit better um, for me. But um, I think it's because I'll take, as Dylan was just saying, I'll take more agency over it. I'm not going to, I don't want the producer being like, um, that wasn't the exact right word. Just let me, I just want to like, if I can get, it's what part of the podcast I'm part of the book is about, but allow myself to get into a flow state. Like it's constant, like, nope, sorry. Can we take that again? You said that that was, um, the, and you said, you know, you just kind of said it mumbled. If you could just, so it's like, Oh, I, th- I hopefully the next one's a little bit smoother. Yeah. Oh, probably, Ben, I don't know if not. I like what you're talking about. Trust the coach, trust the coach. They know no, what they're doing. Take, take no, the I think no, the problem is I didn't have a coach. If oh, I had a coach, oh, I would have, oh, oh. I had a, I had a guy that just wanted to do it completely by the book. Oh, Ben, I want to, uh, you know, that comment from, from dealing about chasing excellence and everyone having that. And then also this comment you made about getting in the flow state people, a lot of people ask me about your life philosophy. They've read your book, uh, a lot of CrossFitters, of course, just lay people I'm talking about primarily, but, uh, I, 
<clears throat> and often I say to them, I say, I really love um, the stuff that Ben puts out there, but his lifestyle is like, I can't do it. I can't do that amount of discipline. You know, and I don't know if your life has evolved in this way, but I remember listening to you years ago where you talk about, I have, the, I wake up at this time, I do this thing, I do this thing, I make sure I have time for this, I make sure I have time for that and this and this. And um, actually, James try Fitzgerald. Try with this motherfucker. Try texting with Ben. Try it. I dare you. Try it. I, well, you won't get anything between hours of 6 yeah. p.m. and uh, 11 a.m. the next day, I think, or something like that. But anyway, um, James Fitzgerald's similar. He's like, you want to optimize your life? You need to do the same thing at the same time every day, and then you'll have this this flow and it'll be natural and circadian rhythm and predictability and whatever. And my life is a total opposite. Although I feel like I'm in a flow state and I feel like I'm being productive the majority of the hours of the day, I train at different times every day. I write at different times every day. I sleep at different times every day. I eat at different times every day. And was, I've, I've been wanting to for years ask you on your perspective on that. I mean, am I totally off the mark of what you're talking about or is it just the same thing in a different way? No, it's no, no way. It's the same thing in a different way. If you're getting into a flow state, there's no one prescription for it, right? So every single one, we are all our own unique special snowflakes. And for you to try to um, be like me is ridiculous. And that's, that's not, you have a, a different set of genetics, upbringing, opportunities, past, condition, like everything. You have different goals, different motivations, different, um, you know, there's a different uh, voice inside your head that's inside mine. So this is what's worked really well for me. And it's, to me, it's not a matter of this is what I was going to say about the, you know, going full circle back. And I hope I come back to Brian's question, but the chat about um, Amanda and um, exactly the chat before okay. that one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We all have this. It's you need a certain level of awareness, right? You have to have a level of awareness. And for me, that biggest level of awareness is what is my purpose? What is my passion? What am I here on planet Earth trying to do? And if you have that thing, holy crap, then we all you need is some, some intentionality. And for me, this is for me, my purpose is to live a fulfilled life. Now you can change that word out, change that for almost any, because to me, we all have the same purpose. And whether you change that out for um, becoming enlightened, as Savan said, or um, the evolution of your consciousness, or um, find eternal joy and happiness, or um, finding God, like it's, those are all the same thing. We're just calling them different things. Then yeah. from there, then from there, that's your inner purpose. I believe that we all have an outer purpose as well, which people get confused. And our outer purpose is unique to you. And Brian's is different than mine, which is different to Savannah and Matt's and so on. But your outer purpose is unique to you. So you guys probably has a lot more to do with creativity than mine does, which probably has a little more um, structure. But certainly mine, my outer purpose is to transform a tribe. Like that is what I am. I feel like I get the most fulfillment out of my life with is I want to, and those words mean a lot to me, a tribe, um, which we are so ultimately familiar with in our space, you know, has uh, um, a certain language, certain rituals, routines, beliefs, values, certain set of clothing, uh, a certain way of going about and doing things. Um, and then to transform that. So the opposite of transformational is transactional. Transactional, if you had a transactional basketball coach, they would teach you about a pick and roll, running a triangle offense, zone defense, um, full court press, and how to let your fingertips follow through on your foul shot. A transformational coach doesn't bypass those things. They do those things, but they make you a better person. And they make you, when you're done with basketball, 
you have now transformed on an inner level beyond something that you were before. A transactional coach, when you're done with basketball, that coach did nothing for you. Whereas transformational coaches do something so much more. So for me, my outer purpose now, right now, which is not the same it was when I was 14, which is not the same as it was when I was 24, and it won't be the same, I hope, when I'm 64. I hope it's evolved into something else. And to me, that's the difference of your inner purpose is shared, but we all call it something different. Your outer purpose is unique to you, and it also changes throughout your lifetime. And I believe that people are confusing what those two things are, and they're always trying to think that it's something you're born to do, but they're naming and trying to find their outer purpose. And that's what creates all this level of confusion. So if you take enough time and space and whether it's whatever it is to create that level of awareness of what is truly you believe your intentional, your, your inner purpose and outer purpose, then from there, it becomes the intentionality aspect. And the, so awareness, the next one's intentionality. And intentionality, it doesn't matter how you, it's what speaks to you. So for Savannah, it might be meditating. For somebody else, it might be journaling. For somebody else, it might be walking through nature. Somebody else, it might be climbing 14 peaks in a year or whatever it is. So for someone else, it might be um, um, you know, going to church every weekend. So the mechanisms that we use to get there is as unique to us as our outer purposes. But we are all searching for that same thing. And here's what I believe, and this goes full circle back to what we were talking about earlier. I believe that this CrossFit methodology is as worthy of a path to enlightenment as anything else that's existed. I believe that, the, you know, Greg said you can't measure it, but he also said the greatest adaptation happens between your ears. And that's what he was alluding to. When you go through this practice of training the way we do on a consistent basis, that first level awareness of the voice in your head is so prominent that you can't ignore it. And it, there's close to 50% of the people that don't believe there's a voice inside their head. And is that true? Really? That's a made up stat I heard from somebody oh, else. Oh, so I like it though. I like yeah. it. Let's go. It comes from, it comes from, um, oh, I just read the book. It, uh, it takes what it takes. It's uh, Russell Wilson's, um, sports psychologist guy. I'm blanking on his name. Um, but it's a good book. It takes what it takes. So here's the thing, whether you is read that the it, Covey guy, is that the Covey no, guy? No, no, no. no. He would not forget that guy's name. It's right here. Um, Trevor Moad. Oh, 80, some guy just said 86% of statistics are made up. So you're in there. Oh yeah. All, all the things I say are made up. That's why podcasts are such an awesome platform. Cause you say whatever you want. Same thing with documentaries, by the way. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. My two favorite, my two favorite mediums. So, um, you know, if it's kind of like, all right, let's talk about, let's talk about nutrition for a second. Nutrition. There's two, just like this. I think you have your inner and your outer purpose. Nutrition. There's two things. There is the amount of calories that you eat and there is the avoidance of processed foods. There's basically nothing else that matters in nutrition. Those are the two things ever. Now, whether you choose paleo, vegan, whole food, carnivore, keto, macros, like it doesn't really, those are all intermittent fasting. Dude, like choose, why are we fighting? Choose the one that works for you. There's no reason to figure out like, is it meditation? Is it religion? Is it church? Is it spirituality? Is it walking in the woods? Is it CrossFit? Is it journaling? Is it like they're all like they're all 
worthwhile pursuits to get to this end state, call it what you want, enlightenment, finding God, um, eternal bliss, happiness, and joy, heaven on earth, or whatever it might be. So um, I get distracted. I read these quotes when they pop up. On yeah, go ahead, go ahead. The <laughs> yeah. great thing about podcasts is you can quote anything and totally make up the source, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so good, so good, so good. Ben, Ben, say those yeah. two things about nutrition again. The two yeah, generalities. So good, what he said, so good. Oh, uh, there's only two. There's only like there's only two things. It's um, are you eating less or more calories? So it's calorie intake, and then it's um, quality food. Are you eating processed foods or are you eating shit? So I would. So I think it was sometime in three to five so years good. ago. You said you had three rules for a diet. Do you remember when when you had three? Uh, I'll remind I you. It was like. I hope, um, eat, I hope that those were two of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't. They weren't. Okay. And that's the point is your understanding, ugly people. Your understanding of this no, is that your understanding of this has evolved and synthesized from three to two. And I think it's evolved in a, in a mature way. I, I can't remember exactly Eat what you said, food, but it's not too much, mostly plants. That's it. That's it. Yes. Those are the three. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he had had those three and you basically said, yep. look, there's a million things out there, but if you look at any of them, these three are going to be embedded into them in one way or another. And now that's you've exactly been able right. to, to move forward in your process of understanding that and simplify it to only two. And I like the two a lot more than the three. Oh, no. Because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Take a break. Like Say three. hi to Heidi, Brian. Say hi to Heidi. Okay. Say hi. hi, Heidi. Thank you. Yep. Right. Uh, I like the three of uh, the two more than three. I've I've personally in the last year as a result of some of the um, just less than you, I guess, as a result of some of the stuff that I've learned on this podcast, have eliminated plants, pretty much eliminated plants from my diet. Just as an as an experiment, I like to do yeah. personal experiments with nutrition and, and exercise for myself, so I can relate to others. Um, anyway, so then, and I was like always thinking about that because I loved when you had said those three, yeah. and then I was thinking about in this past year, and I'm like, man, there's some super uh, people that appear to be super healthy and knowledgeable about diet, and they are clearly omitting one of those, the mostly plants. Yeah, so like the mostly plants one. So if you were to take the true nutrient densities of food, right? and rank them in order, and you were to ask the general public, like, what's the most nutrient-dense, meaning how many vitamins, minerals, and fiber are in a calorie of this food? And you say, what's the most nutritious food group there is? 85% of the population is going to go vegetables. And what about the other 15%? They're going to be either um, not know what the hell you're talking about, or they'll be more knowledgeable. And though, because when you actually break it down, the most nutrient dense food group there is, is organs. Organs, correct. Exactly right. Now, that's, that's not the end of the, so you don't go like organ meats are the best thing for you because that's not the end of the argument either. The reason that people were misled to think that it was vegetables is because people ranked how beneficial vitamin, certain vitamins and minerals were to the human body. So they gave more credit to zinc, magnesium, potassium, calcium, um, vitamin A, C, D, and E. And then they give a lot of credit to things like <clears throat> selenium and other stuff and iron and other stuff, which are just – all organ meats are chock full of. So the debate rages on. Like what is the best thing? Is it vegetables or is it meat? Like I don't know the answer to that. But there's two things that to date are really, really, really consistent and that is that um, being hungry is better than being full and whole foods are better than processed foods. Those are the two that any nutritionist is not going to debate with. Do you know there's 78 organs in the human body? 
I did not know that. Five of them are considered <laughs> vital for survival. Why the fucking Ben espouse on all this spiritual shit? No one's saying he smokes weed, but I fucking start talking about it, and everyone's like, "This motherfucker's stoned." I don't. First of all, I don't. I haven't smoked weed in two hundred years. I don't do gummies. I don't do edibles. But so, I'm well, like a perfect human being, except for the fact that I don't like I don't do the sleep. I I probably sleep only five or six hours a night, and then I nap. I do a good. Well, I, I never try to sleep. But then I, I, I sit still in the middle of the day for an hour usually. Savan, you could yeah. be high without using drugs though. Right, and maybe fine. going back to our original conversation. I can't about, win that conversation if you're going to do it like, do me like that. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe about this um, pursuit of enlightenment, meditative state that you guys were talking about at the start, or you were talking about it at that time, actually. Maybe you're experiencing some of that today as a result of your uh, pursuits in the last year or so. Oh, right. Like I'm having a Pavlovian response to all the times I used to smoke a lot of weed and talk about this shit and talk about it now. So I'm getting, wow, damn, you fucked me up, Brian. Hey, listed below are the tabular columns of 78 different types of organs of the human body. The anus. Sorry, I just have to say that's one of my favorite words. That's an organ. The penis. It's crazy. The rectum. The rectum and the anus are separate. No, no, testes. Are, those the, are these three of the vital five? Clitoris, bone marrow? No, this is like just all 78 I'm looking at. Uterus, skeletal muscle. I think most people are curious of the vital ones at this point. Yeah, I don't I, I, just, I just wanted to throw some context in there. <laughs> Organs. Organ meat. Organ meat. So it's Yeah, it's, say something. This podcast yeah, is about right. to fall. I know, I'm gonna pull it back on track. <laughs> so it's uh, not, I want to talk about not, something it, you said real quick here. About yeah, go. Two, two two things. You you said you said about the inner and outer. Um, you you were you were talking about the inner and outer world and the confusion. And this is a topic that I talk about um, ad nauseum. Is people conflate reality with their thoughts, mm-hmm. and it's and it, it and you you said it. You didn't say it quite like this, but you did say that this is where all the problems and confusion come from. And I agree completely. And I'll give you some really really simple. Um, ideas first of all there are no ideas that are real all your ideas are inside your head and i'll give you one that's like the the most the most potent one that people struggle with is there is no such thing as racism racism is made up it's an idea in your head now if you write on a piece of paper something racist um all jewish people are bad and that is a, a writing of racist on a piece of paper but that's different than the idea of racism that you put in your head that you project on the shit that you project onto the outer world. I'll give you another more simple and less charged example is a red light means stop. We all agree that we know that it doesn't really mean stop. We agree on that so that cars don't crash into each other. We agree on certain things, just like we could agree that, um, but there is, but this conflation of ideas versus what is reality is what's really, really screwing things up. I'm perfectly okay with this idea of gender as long as it stays as an idea of gender, as long as you don't conflate. And, and the whole world's doing it. The smartest people in the world are conflating gender and sex. These are, these are not – look up the definition of gender. These things are being conflated, and it's where all the problem is. We're not talking about the same thing. And to circle – tie this all the way back to enlightenment – is that if you are caught up on those things, you will not make it to the center of the circle. If you are being offended by those things, and, and, and Ben talks about this a lot in a different way. He talks about the importance that he calls it feedback. And, and, and I, when I listen to him talk, I talk about it being offended. If you cannot take feedback, you will not grow. You will not become enlightened. You will not have a healthy relationship with your wife. And then to tie it even one more thing that Ben really talked about, and I'd really like to hear you talk a lot about this, is trust. I really trust the world 
And that's why I'm so fucking happy in the world. I really trust the world. And, um, and, and I really trust my wife. I think I trust my wife more than she trusts me. And therefore I'm happier in the relationship. But, but, but the line that Ben says over and over in many places, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I did write that down uh, here. <laughs> don't say it. Don't say it. Okay, go ahead. Say it. Uh, operating at the speed of trust. That's really important for you to know. And that also gives me some concerns about using microdosing as therapy or MDMA as therapy, because what that does is that does build your trust. But if you don't have a practice and cultivate trust after you've experienced it through these therapies, you will, you will have uh, bigger issues further down the road. Does any of that um, jive with what you're saying? Yeah. About so inflating reality. So yes, I, I think that I, I totally understand the, um, um, we like to, ideas. We, the ideas we like to label things, give them, um, f- form and, um, understanding so we can, uh, appropriate. it's not a bad thing. We need it to navigate through the world. Like government is a thing that we agree upon. Right. A business and LLC is a thing that we agree, but it's nothing more than that. The land that we own, like when we came, when, when Europeans came over to America and they divvied up the land with pieces of paper, the Native Americans were like, what the, what the hell is you doing? This makes no sense. Even gravity, Ben. You can't own the land. Like it makes no sense. So all of it. Yeah. Even gravity. It's just an idea. We see the phenomenon. I'm not denying the phenomenon. But the idea and the and the and the theory and the math behind it, th- th- this is these are ideas. And, but Ben is real. Ben is well, real. Well, no, Ben is not because Ben is a, a label you are putting on my being. Yeah, that guy, that thing's real. The, the, my being, <laughs> the being is real. The thing that Ben is signifying is real. Yes, yes this microphone that I'm rub, I rub on my mustache. <laughs> um. Okay, so. Here's the whole, like, the thoughts are, we cannot truly know ourselves until we find space and in the gap, in that gap is where we can truly find the center of the, I I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater though. And I know you want to keep the comp train empire and be enlightened. I I love it. I love it. (laughs) I love it. No, I, there's a reason that our species has evolved to the point it has. And it's because of thoughts. And part of the whole movement that we're in is like, be present, be present, find stillness, find space. Your thoughts are, your thoughts are the enemy of everything and every trouble that you've ever had in your whole life is because of the thoughts that you have. Possibly, but that's an idea. So what we need to do is not, it's also the thoughts that we have are also the reason that we are talking on a podcast, that you have a coat, that you have a home to be in, that you can... Learn from your past, predict things in the future that might cause pain. And it's a good thing. So thoughts are good. It's like, I, I realize all the spiritual aspect of this whole thing, but we have to recognize as well that there is beneficial aspects to thought. It's when the thought gets messed up that that causes all the unnecessary suffering that is like racism, like or when we react, when we react to the thoughts, like re- exactly. So it's based off of our past conditioning and our fears and anxieties of the future, our seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, and this anxiety thing that we have, which is built into us from a biological perspective for survival. It's just that it's gone haywire. 
We don't longer have the issues of real life survival, so we turn them onto other things. Back in the day, our brain was the most efficient thing that ever exi- has ever existed in the history of the world in order to create something, which is the society that we, that's why we've rose to dominance in the animal kingdom, because we were able to prepare and learn and adapt like nothing else. But now there is not the necessary problems to solve like they were then. Like, let's go get the next meal. Let's build the shelter. Like, let's avoid the natural disaster. Like the real life-threatening things. So we go, the the problem-seeking mechanism has not been diminished at all. It's always going to be there. And we're just seeking things to solve that don't exist anymore. And we think that social what that person said on social media is life-threatening when it's not. We think that your boss asking you to work on the weekend is life-threatening, and it's not. We think the person honking their horn and cutting off the traffic is life-threatening, and it's not. And when I say think, it's actually not think because we're not logical. If we thought it through, it would be okay. We're emotional beings. Do we rise and fall to the mo- – like it's all about the, the amygdala part of the brain. I know I've heard you talk about this stuff, but that um, causes these – when you say emotional, people think it's like diminishing. So I won't say how emotional. I'll say that it's the psychological aspect of our brain, not the logical. It's the psychological. There's the logical and there's the psychological. The psychological is the emotional part that's ingrained in us for survival. It happens way faster than the logical part of our brain does. The logical part of our brain is when you step back from something. Which and makes look, it seem more real, right? Which makes well, it seem more look, real. Like, let's say somebody cuts you off in traffic. When that happens, your biological brain is going to have a hormonal reaction that goes like, it's survival. They're threatening me, my tribe, whatever it might be. I need to defend and I need to defend now vigorously. So then there goes the finger, then goes the horn, and then goes cutting them off or slamming on your brakes to get as close to causing an accident without you possibly doing it. And then you go like five days later, you're like, you don't remember it. But if you do remember, you're kind of like, well, that wasn't that big of a deal. That's the logic. And, and you don't even feel, and you don't even feel good about it, right? Because you you shouldn't feel good about it because you're the the non logical, the psychological part took over. And through this, your practices of meditation or journaling or again whatever you want to do, church, read scripture, whatever it is, what we can do there is help to balance those things out a little bit. And we get a little bit of space, potentially, from that emotional side. Because it's not the thinking that's wrong. It's the overthinking and the overanalyzing. That's what causes anxiety. That's what causes the gut reaction in our stomachs that you can feel when something isn't right. And you get nervous about something. Or you're not, uh, you didn't like the way something went and you felt guilt about something. And... You know, to me, I, I've really enjoyed um, putting this into a disciplined practice that I do every day of trying to find a little bit of separation between my thoughts, my, you know, it's mind, body, spirit. And can you pull those apart a little bit? And spirit is like your soul. <laughs> spirit is like your true, the essence of who you truly are, your true being, not Ben, not business owner, not father, husband, coach. Not guy that grew up in this town and is 44 years old, but the the soul is the thing that doesn't change. It's it's the it's the deeper level of understanding of the 
I am. I am. And when you can kind of have some awareness of that, well, then you can be more intentional with the way you navigate the world, whether it's Brian's um, creative spontaneity, let the life come at me, or my disciplined structure, disciplined allows you to have the autonomy to live a happy life, or it's something in between. And to me, when you get that awareness, that intention, then you have to take that massive action because without the action, there's nothing, right? Like I can, I can want to have wisdom, so I'm going to read a lot and buy a lot of books. That's the intention. I bought a lot of books, but until I actually read, it doesn't, it's not doing anything. But to me, you just picking up books and starting to read is not very productive either because for what end state, what are you trying to accomplish? That's why you need the awareness part in the beginning. So I'm a big fan of taking massive, massive action towards, uh, I don't want to call, I don't like the word goals, but towards, um, what you think will fulfill you on your deathbed and having that level, that level of, of of the last piece that is that's, I think it's a level of perspective that you need to bring onto everything. So you have awareness, intention, action, all layered with a layer of perspective because otherwise without the perspective, um, it could, it, you could really end up in a, uh, a selfish pursuit, or you could be the type of person that like goes and I'm just going to travel around the Andes and then, you know, and like not have any true real meaning to your life, um, or any, um, hindsight. Like it helps to see things from afar and from a distance. A few minutes ago, I was thinking, as you were talking, I was thinking about, I'm sure everyone knows a person who is very even keel. You know, things happen in their life and their ups and their downs are very small. They don't, they don't appear to be very emotional. They don't appear to have big, major reactions to things in their life. And then there's obviously people quite the opposite who have these tremendous highs, these tremendous lows. They cry easily. They laugh easily. They have the best experiences and they also have the worst experiences. And you probably are, you know, most people are probably somewhere in between, but you know, someone who's each extreme. What I think and what I hear you saying about these daily practices you do is very similar to uh, CrossFit, is that you're just uh, consistently day after day after day working on that so that when those moments come, when you should be experiencing an extreme high or an extreme low, even if you're a generally even killed person, that you're still aware of how you're responding to that moment. Because most of the moments in our life, I think, are like we, we, we got a good handle on them. But everyone's going to have those situations arise where you're, you know, something's going to happen and you have to react quickly and you're either going to react logically or illogically based on the preparation that you've done over time. And the reason why I say it's comparable to CrossFit is because we know that by putting ourselves in challenging situations day after day after day in the gym and by constantly evolving how we interact with those by understanding our breathing more, like Savan talks about, learning a new skill, whatever, that it's potentially preparing us for a time that won't ever come, or it could be preparing us for a moment in which we can draw on all those experiences to have a successful or productive interaction in a time of crisis. Yeah. So I, I, I love that, Brian. Um, that's like one of my litmus tests for myself. And one of the reasons I do what I'm doing in terms of particularly CrossFit is my biggest fear is that I become a liability to my family. That's my number one fears that my family has to take care of me. And mm. I always want to be an asset. Mm. I want to be the guy that's there that able to take care of them throughout my entire life. Right. When I'm 95 years old, I want to be able to continue to be, uh, you know, this is kind of what the book is about, but be a leader, 
And I think the word leader, I had a hard time writing a book about leadership because um, I, it's something I'm trying to work on. It's like, I didn't want to write a book saying like, I figured it out at all. It's, it's really something that I continually work on. I, I, I'm so ultimately aware of my shortcomings um, that it's hard to write this book, but um, I, I wanted to basically, because what you just said there to me is a massive aspect to this is as the seas get rougher, a leader gets calmer. And if you put in these daily practices, which I do believe is what we should all be doing and reason that we, we go to the gym and train really hard for you know six days a week is because yes, the physical, the physicality aspect of, um, being an asset, but also the mental aspect of, um, having that composure when you get the call at 3am in the morning, what, what are you going to do? You know, you get that call at 3 a.m. in the morning. Are you, as you said, the emotional person that has these massive swings either which way? Or are you the pendulum that just sits in the middle? And I'm not saying don't swing at all, but a pendulum that swings, like people that you see people in your lives, and I know I'm, I am in my life, that have this, they're like so full of uh, joy and so happy and they're so like over the top boisterous. Well, if that pendulum goes all the way over here. It has to swing the other way. And I'm not saying go through life as a complete uh, stoic. I'm not saying it's stoicism is the thing. What I'm saying is you can narrow up the swings a little bit. Have passion. Have love. Have joy. Have tears. Have sorrow. Have grief. But if it destroys you or those moments make you um, you're not going to have the the consistency to be an asset to your family. And a leader, someone that leads to me is um, somebody that has uh, shows that they care. That always has to be number one. Care. Um, then consistency. That's number two. And then competence. Competence is actually third. And what I think most leaders do is they want to come and show how smart they are, how good they are. I'm a, I got my level one as a coach and I'm going to show you everything there is to know about a snatch before showing somebody that you care about them. And while you're trying to show everything you can, you're over coaching them. And the person's like, who the hell is this guy telling me what to do with it? And you haven't shown that you cared about this person and in a consistent way. So, you know, Savan, you were talking about that. Um, we operate at the speed of trust. That's where trust comes from. Trust comes from those three things. And I really love the word unconditional because you were talking about like the different levels. There's like, yes, I know that you're going to show up um, to lunch tomorrow. That's a certain level of trust. I know that um, you might not swear on this podcast. That's out the window. Okay. So there's not that level of trust. Like, but there's different levels of trust that like you can just basically X's and O's. I know that these things are going to happen or not, but there's unconditional trust. And unconditional is this crazy, crazy, crazy word. And fill in the blank after it, which is so cool. Like unconditional trust, unconditional love. For my athletes, unconditional competitiveness. What that means is no matter what. So let's take unconditional love. And when Heather and I came across this term, it kind of rocked us because we had the conversation. We meditated on it. And then after the meditation, we had a, we talked about it. And the conversation was then, um, I don't know if I love you unconditionally. 
Now, that's a hard conversation to have with your wife of 10, 11, 12 years. But think about what that word is. That means no matter what you I just want to interject. I would say it's better to admit that than to pretend the opposite. For sure. That's yeah, it does make it easier. Right, yeah. yeah, it's still a hard conversation. So no, that's no matter what, like no matter, like no matter what you say, what's about the, me, what's the deal breaker? Like you find out your mate's a pedophile or they yeah, no, your, that, or they exactly. fuck your so let's, brother. Let's, let's like, name, like, let's name those things. That's they hurt your kids. Yeah. yeah you, like, that's like, one that guy goes to. That's the one I go to. Yeah. yeah. If you try to like hurt my wife my cheats kids, on me, I'm unconditional love. My wife hurts my kids and fuck man. Now we got a fucking Yeah, but problem. that's what unconditional love is. It means regardless, right. no matter what right. now. Right. So, so when I first heard that, I go like, well, it doesn't exist. It like, it just doesn't. That's not a thing then. It's like, it does, but Savan, you know, it does. Cause that's how you love your kids. Yes. You love your kids unconditionally. If my kid tried to stab me or cut off my left testicle in the middle of the night, I would wake up and love them. Not, not like a little bit less, like zero less. It was now I'm disappointed. I might be angry. I may be incredibly frustrated. I might have a lot of questions, but the love <laughs> thing does not change at all. Like not at all. I want to throw in one quick thing here that's practical for people people to use. This is the point you leverage your ego against yourself and you fucking let your ego just eat that shit. You are at fucking dinner and someone serves you a brownie and you proved you let your ego go. I am not going to eat that because I love my kids and I want to live to 95 and be healthy. When you're about to waste your fucking money on something stupid, you say, no, I'm not going to do that because I love my kids unconditionally. I'm going to put that in a savings account for them. So when I'm dead, they have money. Let you, This is how you leverage your ego to make yourself and everyone's life around you better because you find something like that, like your kids and like because you don't want to let them down no matter what. Right. So it's 10 o'clock at night. You don't want to work out, but all you got to do is go out in the garage and ride the assault bike for 10 minutes and you can check the box, get out there and fucking do it. You know why? Because you have an ego that can't let down its identity that you love your kids over everything else. That is a healthy use in my opinion of let, letting your ego um, control the train. If you can do it like that, I do that shit all the time, love that. all the time. Here's the, evolution I, I see I, I see i see the trash the trash guy dump my trash and some shit goes like out into the street and it's like raining and cold and i'm in my underwear and i don't have shoes on and i don't want to go out there and pick it up i leverage my ego i don't want the neighbors to see or anyone to drive by and buy my house and see it looks bad so i leverage that to do the right thing and i go out there and pick up all the fucking trash and I, and every time I'm, i feel better about myself for sure yeah and then i slap that fucker around shut up don't talk to me again when i'm in my underwear <laughs> here's the the evolution of our consciousness is can we bring that same leverage not just to your kids but to the rest of your family mm. to the rest of your team to the rest of your community and the rest of humanity and when you have that same feeling that you do for every living being on mm. planet earth that you have for your kids that's enlightenment and i'm so far from it like so far from it i don't know it's a hell just knowing the goal is pretty uh but that's pretty like, awareness. Think, think of how like it's awareness right it's awareness now there's intentionality but like and try so and i'm i'm doing it the way that i think i i'm the best way i know how to do it but you also recognize the gap and here's the thing is like as you become aware of ego and as you become aware of the thoughts the the roommates in your head, you have one good roommate, one bad roommate that just want to perpetuate a conversation. They're not there to solve anything. They just want to bounce ideas back at each other. In 
and this is what the cool thing about our doing a crossword workout. Those two guys, those two roommates, like go to war during a workout, and they bounce back and forth all the time. I'm the victim. Like, woe is me. I shouldn't have had the cookie. This is so hard. I can't believe that person's going fast on me. Why did they program this? This is my weakness. To the other person, to the warrior mindset that's like, bring it on, motherfucker. Like, I can do this. I can, I'm going to leverage my ego and I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. And they go back and forth, back and forth. Well, when we can kind of like get that to like sit in the background and just find unconditional, remember we're filling in the blanks after that, unconditional love, unconditional trust, unconditional competitiveness. That's what I want for my athletes. No matter what, no matter what the circumstances are. So as you just like, so your wife tries to hurt your kids, like no matter what happens in a competition, no matter what happens, like it's 116 degrees and you have to wear a weight vest and do Murph at noon, bring it on. Like, let's, let's go. Like there's no, there's nothing that's going to pull you away. There's no distraction. Nothing, nothing can pull you away from your ultimate competitiveness. But this no. is this is also a good example though, because ultimate competitiveness looks different moment to moment. For sure. Sometimes it's selling yeah. your soul on the floor. Sometimes it's throttling back. And that's where awareness in those moments, as the range of that pendulum gets wider, becomes valuable. I just um, want to be super clear. My s- wife has never hurt my kids, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian, I would say competitiveness though is not the range thing. The range thing, because to be competitive, you have to be a smart competitor. Otherwise, you're a dumb sure. competitor. And you're spilling out energy, spilling out everything just to be like, I gave it my all. Well, you gave it your all in round one of a five-round workout. That was dumb. That's not competitive. <laughs> That's just you trying to like actually right. taking the easy way out. Or your body is broken down and you know it, but you're like, fuck it. I'm going back and doing you another do brutal session tonight. You, you do Why? what you can with what you got for where you are. It's like the right things. The being a smart person is part of being a competitor as well. And if there is nothing that can dissuade you, nothing that can pull you, nothing that can – uh, diminish in any way form your your best efforts. And it, by the way, it happens to all of us. It happens to Matt Fraser. It happens to Michael Jordan. It happens to Michael Phelps. It happens to Serena Williams. It happens to Simone Biles. Like it happens to all of those athletes. You just see it in glimpses, tiny, tiny glimpses, or you see the the good thing in massive doses. But the unconditional aspect, just like we experience love. It's like it's conditional right now. And most people that we know compete conditionally, just like most people we know live conditionally happy. Meaning, do you want to be happy? Yes or no? Unless you're a psychopath, everyone says yes. <laughs> they say, okay, are you, you realize that's a choice? And people go, yes. I say, are you willing to be happy even if your wife leaves you, even if your dog dies? Even if somebody does something horrible to you, even if you get sick, even if your kid gets sick, even if you are locked up and put in prison and starved, like, are you still willing to be happy? Because it's a choice you said. And people go, well, no, I'm not going to be happy. If that, well, it's unconditional. Like that's th- Now, we're not dealing with any of those things, most of us. We don't have somebody trying to hurt our kids. We don't going to be locked up, put in solitary confinement. We get bummed out because the weather isn't good. We get bummed out because we didn't get enough likes on Facebook. We get bummed out because the workout doesn't have your wheelhouse movements in it. You're not going to be at the top of the leaderboard. Like, all we have to do is become aware of the ego, which is a storytelling machine in our heads 
that tries to make us feel important. It can do it any which way. It, it's equally satisfied from you being the victim as you being the hero. It doesn't matter which one it is because both those are very important players in the world. It's um, it's funny. I, I don't know when I realized this, but at some point in my life, I was really like, wow. Uh, feeling sorry of your feeling sorry for yourself and arrogant are the same thing. It's just the mm -hmm. it's just I don't yes. know if this is the right word machinations of the ego. It's just the ego yeah. in, in, indulging itself. And um, yeah, we 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 have a we have a lot of that uh, going on right now. The 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 feeling sorry for self. There is no end to that, by the way. That's a bottomless well. Go ahead and indulge all you want. There there'll be you can never use that resource up, but you will never also be <clears throat> happy. Um when you so I, I want to go, I want to go back. Uh I, I don't know if we'll, hmm, do we talk about leadership? I want to talk about Katrin um going to Iceland and, mm -hmm. and what you can share about that and what that is like having such a amazing so first of all when you met her she um she was not a, a games champion far from it right yeah she had been to the games twice and finished uh in the high 20s both times okay and wow. then she missed okay. the and she missed the games the year before okay and then that's when she came to you yep and she turned into um one of the most remarkable um personas in I would say the world, but, but for mm. sure in CrossFit, anyone who stands next to her knows she has just incredible presence. Her, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's beyond her physical presence. There's something, uh, fuck, I don't know what it is. Magical. But yeah. There's yeah. something yeah. emanating off of her. There's something, uh, it, it's like almost tangible. I'm trying to think of any of the other athletes quite have it. There's some people you feel a peace around, you know, um, like I was just around fitness Lonnie after he's been sitting under a tree for five years and there's man, it's quiet it, in, the, in the loudest in the room in the world. When you're standing next to him, uh, it, it feels like you're in the grand Canyon, just complete peace. But she is, has a remarkable glow and, um, almost like you're getting vitamin D when you stand next to her. I mean, there's like, you feel it. And, um, so, so then she wins the games and she's with you and she is a, I would say like a project of yours, like, like a car in your garage that you've, uh, that you've tried, that you've, that you've helped build. Right. But she's a human being. And now she leaves. Why does she leave? How does that happen? Is it a mutual discussion? Like, what can you share about that? I mean, it seems, it, it almost seems like a, um, did you ever read that book Zen and the art of archery? No. Basically, this guy becomes a. You'll love it. It's, this guy becomes a master archer, and then he has to, when he's finally done, like shooting one arrow into the back of another arrow thirty times, then he's done, and he can't just give the bow away. He has to destroy it. It's over. The relationship's over. He got what he needed out of it. It, it, it did your relationship like is that journey really over? Or, or uh, I wouldn't say our journey is over. No, I don't think any part of it's over. Well, I mean, like. I don't really be believe in ends, really. I just don't believe that. I don't think that anything really ends. Um, so it's definitely not over. We still talk all the time. She was here uh, a couple of weeks ago and hung out with us for a week. So it's um, um, she's still one of my best friends. You know, she picked up her whole life as a young twenty-year-old and came to Boston, Massachusetts, to live with us for six, seven years. It's um, you know, it's one of the things I'm most grateful for in my entire life. It's like I, I, I got to witness 
Um, and it wasn't more like, I, I, I just correct something. I don't think I was, she was the car in my garage that I was trying to help build. It was more like um, somebody dropped off a Ferrari at my uh-huh. house. Uh-huh. And um, I got to watch that Ferrari go. Awesome. I learned I learned a lot from uh, being around her for sure. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Um, but we, um, we did both grow as she grew as an athlete and I grew as a coach together. We kind of, kind of, it was like one of those, um, rare circumstances where we were both in this thing, like, let's just, um, really go at it. You know, it wasn't really about balance at the time. It was really more about just like, let's make a real run at this thing. Um, and I think that we are both at different points in our lives where there's a little bit more balance coming to play both from mm-hmm. her and from me. Um, you know, it's not a 24, seven, And that's not to diminish what she's doing now as an athlete. It's just, as you get older, you, there's more data points. There's more wisdom to play off of. And can she still be a champion and can you still be a world-class coach with out that a little bit of reckless abandonment? It's a good question. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that, Savon. I really don't. I'm, will, I'm willing to like. Um, he, to I, tie I, back I, to Michael Singer. He says that um, in that book, he says something along the lines: "If you're afraid, or not being afraid of yourself, or being one with yourself, or being aware of yourself, is not being afraid of death." That's a really, really powerful point. And when I read Eckhart Tolle, he says that you can become enlightened without embracing death. I, I do not believe that at all. That zero. I don't know anyone who's who's become enlightened without embracing death, and um, I, I've never heard of a story. I've, tons of people have t- jump on the path, you know, and want to dabble and, and like touch the light. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I wonder that about. I, I really like the way you describe that. Like you guys saw each other, and she's like, "I'm a Ferrari," and you're like, "Well, shit, let's fucking see how fast you can go." Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you like, like you know, you know, this helmet's for safety, but we don't really need it. We can go faster if we throw it out the window. Like right. just fuck it, right? And that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it, that's what the whole thing was. Then trust, was like, and I guess that's trust too, right? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there was a. That's kind of where this whole thing um, stemmed out. You know, it's like I always I always thought that trust was you know when I was a personal trainer, not a CrossFit coach, and um, even as a personal trainer, you recognize that you operate at the speed of trust. If they don't trust you, they're not gonna. Um, do the stuff outside of the hour of the day that you're with them and you're only with them two or three days a week. So what are you doing if they don't trust you? Because you, you're fighting a complete uphill battle. So you just have to get them the whole operation, the whole deal, every bit of every relationship just is, it is at the speed of trust. You know, whether you go like Dale Carnegie stuff or, um, you know, Chris Voss, like, uh, you know, um, the, FBI hostage negotiator, like it's all about getting people to trust you. And once they trust you, you can be a, if somebody does, it's basically that's the ceiling, right? So you can have all the wisdom and all the knowledge in the world, but if they only trust you 10%, you're only going to give them 10% of what you got. 
Now, if they trust you 100%, but you only have 50% of the knowledge, you can get them 50%. It's just, that's always going to be the ceiling. And, yeah, you get two people in a room to do some MDMA and, and huh. they'll, 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 they'll go, they'll do 10 years of that relationship in five hours. I'm, I'm dead serious. It, it, it's trust. I'm dead serious. Have you dabble? Have you ever fucked around with MDMA? No. It's nuts. It's nuts. Is it as well as MDMA? Is that um, ecstasy? I was, okay, that's okay. Yeah. I think the is kids that call it Mo Molly. Molly? Now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, the only thing I know about Molly is that I think it was like Julian Edelman, like, uh, like, on video at like a NASCAR race or something like that on Molly or something like that. He, he drove the car on Molly. No, he oh. was at like he was like in the pit. You know, like he was like partying in the that. I've never been he's, to a NASCAR. He's an race, NFL player, Stefan. Not a race car driver. Oh, oh, oh it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> when when you guys when you when she says she's going back, I mean, it, it is kind of for for ego's sake. It is kind of nice that she's going back to Iceland, right? It's not like she's um going uh. 200 miles north of you up to HWPO and being mm -hmm. like, see ya, Ben. I mean, it's kind of nice that she's going back to her tribe. No one probably can imagine what life is really like for Katrin, Annie, or any of those people who live on that island. I mean, that is a unique situation. 300,000 people all from the same mom and dad. I mean, it's pretty crazy what they got up there. Um, yeah. So, so, so there must be, there is that kind of piece that's nice, right? Like it's like yeah, Peter I, Pan and like now yeah. he's going back to his like, you know, wherever he the fuck he came from. Like, so it, it, it makes sense. So her she's been away from her family for almost a decade. She's incredibly close with her family, like incredibly close. She was here when her best friend, her grandmother died that ate her up. Um, she's still incredibly close to her grandfather who just had his 80th birthday this last summer. Um, her sister. Um, is a young mom. She's about to have her, she's pregnant with her second. Her best friend is um, getting married, engaged. They're all getting, um, Annie just, who is her best friend as well, just had a big, life, life's, life's passing by. Right. You know? And at, at some, it's going to, this chapter is going to change at some point. Right. Um, I think it's really naive of me to, um, to think that it wouldn't like it, it, this is going to, we're going to ride this off into the sunset forever. Like it's um, if it's best for, you know, if it's best for her, it's best for me. It's, you know, it's allowed me some opportunities to do some things that I might not have done. Otherwise um, it's not necessarily like the, the Jocko, like, you know, good, like good. It's not, <laughs> it's not that, but it's a, um, why would, why would we fight something? Like, why would we, when it, when you don't, as you said, everything's an idea that we don't truly comprehend or understand. Why am I going to fight for something that I don't completely, um, did she try to, did she try to leave before? Like, um, Matt has a story where he wanted to, after four, he wanted to stop and, uh, O'Keefe's like, nah, nah, one more buddy. One no, more. cause no. Um, cause Catherine's not retiring. She's like still competing. Right. Um, but you weren't like, nah, 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 I'll clean out a little more room in the garage. You can park now with your doors wide open. Like, no, go ahead. No. no, it wasn't like that. No, it was never like we – no, it was – I mean there was full trust. We, we were like there was no hint of this at all. And then she went back for this summer after not being home for almost two years because of COVID. So like she was here. Like she always went back for um, um, most of October, November, and December. She always went back for two and a half months every year. 
but she missed that for two years. So also there's this like pent up, like I haven't been home. So then finally going home and she went home for the same thing. She went home for two and a half months. Are they doing COVID in Iceland? Is that real over there? Yeah, they're super strict, super strict. They're like, they're like a New Zealand type thing, like real hard um, quarantines. Wow. Um, Okay. And uh, yeah, it's so weird how every country is different with that stuff, but it's not uh, just countries, state to state, even. I know. Yeah. yeah. City COVID, to city, COVID, even COVID in some <laughs> yeah. county to yeah. county out here. Um, yeah. Ben, sorry, Brian, I know you wanted to ask something. Um, uh, I'll get this out and then your turn. Um, if, if my if the thought of my wife dying or my wife leaving me, I, I would be done. Like, I'm, I, I would be, I'd become a monk, I'd raise my kids, I, I'd be done. Like, I would be like one of those Chuck E. Cheese things i would come out take care of my kids and then go back in like i have no interest in that i put in so much effort in this relationship so amazing i've like in from where i sit now i have no interest in rebuilding another relationship ever this thing is fucking awesome does any part of you feel that way about like i already built the i already built a few of the fastest cars in the world like 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 the, and this one, like this is the this is the life cycle of it. Like, okay, she, um, this is the life cycle of a of a of a coach with a top tier athlete. And like, does any part of you just want to just like move to Naples? It wouldn't be Naples. Oh, I just saw Naples in your. Um, My dad lives in Naples. Instagram. Oh. <laughs> um, that's going to happen at some point. Hey, you know who else? You know, um, I think Brian's dad lives in Naples. Close by. Is your dad bald, Ben? No, my dad's got a great head of hair. No, not bald. Ball, like, like I ball, ball. so hard, motherfuckers want to find me. You know, like ball. No, I ball. don't know what ball is. Uh, is. Is he rich? Is your dad oh, rich? He, he's, uh, he's well off. Yeah, yeah, Naples. God, I'm going. Naples, to Naples is like well off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to Naples. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to Naples. Okay. <laughs> Get a ball in Naples. Brian's dad balls. I think that one of the, I think this lesson, there's a big lesson that can be learned from um, what Ben's talking about here with Katrin. How I always perceive this without having talked to either of them about it was exactly what he's saying is that the, uh, just the time had come. And if you tried to force it, when, when the time comes, this is where that practice of awareness happens. Neither of them was looking forward to the end of that relationship, but certainly both of them knew that eventually it would happen. And so being able to recognize that the timing was right before the situation evolved into something where she stayed because she felt like she had to and resented Ben because of what she was, Mm -hmm. he was keeping her from. And I think that they both have a good, probably because of your pursuits of the spiritual disciplines have rubbed off on her, a younger person who is also maybe searching like most of us are, you guys were both able to kind of recognize that together and make the, the appropriate decision at the appropriate time. Yeah, the only, the only, the only, the only constant is change, right? It's the only thing that is that we can kind of hang our hat on. Like this is going to happen in this universe. It's the only thing that we can kind of say is going to happen, is that things are going to change. And my biggest nightmare is that I'm in the same spot. Not my biggest nightmare. I've I've one or two bigger ones, but a big nightmare of mine is that I'm in the same spot five years from now that I am right now. So. Why, like, this is another opportunity for change. And now I can lean more into working with Cole and Chandler and Amanda and Sam and some of the other great athletes that we have. And um, it might be a chance to bring on another younger athlete and do the whole thing over again mm. from the very beginning. Or it might, maybe in two, three years, I go like, hey, I, my, my, the thing that's setting my heart on fire is now this thing. But 
like how crappy would I feel if I like forced her to force my hand? It was like, no, you have to stay. And then some, one of those things happened, like an opportunity to work with the next uppercomer came and she's like, what well, you were committing to me, or I'm not saying that's happening, but it's just like, I've always, I've had plenty of turnover in my business. I, I actually encourage turnover. I think it's, uh, I think that holding people well on for a long time is a bad thing. So for me to have a different set of values or principles or modus operandum for my athletes would be hypocritical in, in, at best. There was this, there was this guy I used to work for and he would travel with this lady. And every time they would get to the airport, um, he would, he would, uh, she would say, Hey, can you, he would, he knew she had a bad back. So he would try to get out of the car and get her luggage out from the trunk. And before he could do that, she would always say, Hey, will you get my luggage out of the trunk? So he never got to do it without her asking. And there's this thing, and I'm forcing this idea a little bit, but there's this thing that if you, so many people are trying to force the universe, you don't have to force the universe. There's great shit coming your way, man. And if you're forcing shit, you're not going to get it. There's great shit coming your way. And sometimes, and, and that goes back to the meditative piece. If that lady could just like have that thought, Hey, I need to ask this guy to help take a deep breath, let that thought go and just give the universe a chance to do it for her. It will start doing stuff for her and she'll see the magic of the universe. And then this guy can jump out and it's a win-win for everyone. She can see the magic of the universe that it helps her. And then this guy can get the opportunity for helping her. I see this shit every day, people missing opportunities because they're trying to force things. And, 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 and I feel, I feel, I feel it um, in this catcher thing, by the way, Brian, you did a great, I don't know if you let, I don't know if you nailed it, but you definitely let Ben off the hook. <laughs> with what you said what was off the hook i'll go back on it no i don't know <laughs> he he just gave you like he just i don't know exactly what he said it was fucking beautiful and you were like uh-huh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was so good people when, can when, relate to that you've i mean everyone stays in a situation longer than they should at some point and it's always almost always to the detriment of everyone involved Agreed. And one thing I'm curious about, Ben, was there a shift in the dynamic of the group of athletes that you're currently working with? Like almost mm. like, oh, okay, the big dog stepped out. Now who's who's rising to that occasion? Was that dynamic present as well when Katrin was training with them? Yeah, so it's a great question. A question. Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. Um, and the answer is yes, there was a shift in dynamics, but there's every year there's a shift in dynamics. So literally, because mm. two years ago, we didn't have these athletes training in-house. So there was a shift there. And then the year before that, we didn't have like every year. So last year we brought these athletes in-house to train with us, but it didn't happen until February. So this year we're training everybody in-house starting in September. So crazy different dynamics. And all of a sudden we're getting ready for Rogue as opposed to, um, you know, last September we were still getting ready for the CrossFit games. It's right. like every year is so different. There's so many moving pieces that you can't go, this is the variable that's changed at all. With that said, yes, of course, like there's going to be change with any athlete leaving, but someone as big and as magical as, as you know, is with that personality um, as Katrin, for sure. You know, in essence, they came here probably to be as much with her, if not more than to be with me. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's probably the reality of that thing is, is she's the world champion. She's the best that one of the best that's ever um, played this game. Um, they came here to learn as much from her. 
So when she leaves, yeah, the dynamics are going to change for sure. Yeah. Are roles established? Do you have that conversation with your athletes such as like, for lack of better words, Katrin would be, you know, team leader, team mom. She's been with you the longest. She's kind of helps them through stuff. Um, are there, are there roles like that within the uh, group there? Yeah, but they're not named. It's like any, like, uh, it's like any, um, people just rise to the occasion. Yeah. So it'd be like any team sport. We try to actually create more of a team atmosphere. We try to, Mm -hmm. we do a lot to instill that intentionally awareness, intentionally action. So doing a lot to, um, intentionally create a team atmosphere, but we're not going, "Ah." there's a little bit, I mean, when there's a new kid on the block that's coming in, um, I let them know certain things. Yeah. Cause you there's know, always the dynamic. We have a, we, organically. Yeah. So like if there's a new athlete um, and we have a shortage of equipment, um, <laughs> I tell them like you're getting the short end of the stick. You don't get to use the pegboard. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. If, um, if these athletes are doing this, like you haven't been to the games yet, you haven't er- quote unquote earned it. Um, hopefully one day you will, but these guys are um, have earned the right of first refusal. Yeah. You eat and, last. Yeah. And, yeah. Ben, I heard that um, you take, you go, is this true that you take all the games workouts historically and that you do an analysis of the games every year and been like, okay, we haven't seen this in so long. We haven't seen this. We have seen this. And you kind of start making predictions to help your athletes. The first part of that is true. We start making predictions. I don't know if it helps the athletes. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you've been pretty damn good at it. Um. Well, I think everyone's good at it now. I think I was just like, I did it before other people did. I don't think, I think this is just a human behavior thing. Like you could like, no matter how much Dave wants to avoid patterns and programming and tries to, there's always going to be inherently in everyone's, you know, exertion. You can, can kind of like filter out what the strength movement might be. You can kind of filter out like, you know, it is unknown, but it's not unknowable. Like, right unknowable would be like, and it, it, there's a reason for it. It just wouldn't be a good test. It'd be like this year we're going to do bobsledding and we never see bobsledding again. Right. TOT right. would kill it. Right. <laughs> and this year is going to be, this year is going to be archery. And like, it's just like, it's wouldn't be for, it's a fit into our definition, our practice of fitness. You're always going to have the outliers, the weird one, the paddle, you're going to have the softball toss. You're going to have the freestanding handstand pushup. No, we knew we, we that's that's shown up. I I programmed a competition with freestanding hands push back in 2015. Did you have about, that same uh, standard or variation where you had to walk forward and show no, control on the way not, down? No, we didn't have that. We What's had the, that, uh, we had some, that you had to show control at the top and the bottom. <clears throat> Makes sense. Well, I, I was we thinking also, about we coupled this. It, we coupled it with 405 deadlifts. That was the mm. workout we did wow. back in ago. 2015. Yep. Wow. It was before the it was the competitors competition. Might have been 14. Uh, but I knew Dave copied days. that from you. I knew yeah. Dave Castro no, so copied many, that so from many, Ben Bergeron. There's just so many different <clears throat> combinations, right? It's like I, know, I just want to say that because I know Dave would hate that. Eventually, music starts like they, they you start sampling, and it's like yeah. you, there's only so many different bar chords. There's only so many different notes. There's only so many different plots to movies. Yeah, exactly. Ben, right. do you have there's a specific? A when something like that happens, let's just say it's the freestanding handstand push-up with this new standard that you haven't practiced with any of your athletes and it gets announced and suddenly you know 30 minutes from now they have to do this thing. Do you have any kind of process in place where it's like, okay, I know they're going to be pissed about this. All right, guys, you have two minutes to vent. Everything you want to say negatively about this, get it out now. Now we And then, good, are you done? Okay, now how are we going to do this as best as we can? 
No, but that's a that's a good process. You want a job, Brian? <laughs> it's a good system. <laughs> well, I just because I, I feel like so, every year at the games, it, you know, some my athletes, have that. you know, my athletes, um, and maybe they just do a better job of hiding it from me. But we're so past like the vent, like it's it's just it, it. We skip that step. Honestly, it's just like right to like what is the best thing that we should do right now? Because we talk so much before the event of what's inside of our control and what's not. All the 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 sports bullshit stuff that people talk about all the time, except that it's true. And most people don't actually live it. You know, it's kind of like we were saying, it's like everyone wants unconditional happiness. Everyone wants to be enlightened. Everyone wants to not ride the emotional roller coaster. But what are you doing to actually put it in place so you can live it in that moment? And we do a fair amount of talking about that stuff beforehand and kind of win these because they're going to pop up. There's going to be 13 to 15 events. It's the, the event, the movement that you don't want to come up is going to pop up. We also talk about that in the, during the event, we are not going to talk about the validity of the test. Ah, uh, That uh. is not a thing that we do at the CrossFit games. So everyone goes like, where's the CrossFit? You know what? This is a, this is a, this year is for short people. This year is for tall people, like cool, fun conversations for a podcast, right? Not the conversation to have for a competitor in the midst of the competition. We can do the venting thing afterwards. We can do the retrospect and look back and learn from it afterwards, but not in the midst of it, particularly when the next event we're doing has literally could do zero, zero to do with the previous one. If the first event is swimming with fins and paddleboard and the next event is muscle ups and sled drags, those two events have besides like a very, very, very baseline level of fitness. Once you're at the CrossFit Games, you've established that. They have no carryover one to the other. None. Except for the baggage you bring with it. So if you can eliminate the baggage from event to event, you get to, you get oh to play no, your my, sport. Oh, no. My lats are tired from the paddle. I'm not going to be able to do muscle-ups in the sets I wanted. <laughs> Throw that out? Yeah. You do what you can with what you got for where you are. <clears throat> I had a question for you about off-season events. What's Because I, yeah. I notice a lot of athletes who I feel from my perspective, which is not coaching high level athletes that are doing way too many of them for, you know, they're saying they want to win the CrossFit games, but they're also doing like three events in four months that are just you know, interruptions in training cycles, et cetera. Do you have a, a process with athletes specifically as they're coming on their first year or whatever, or how do you guys decide as a team, which off season events and how many you're going to do? Yeah, it's a great question, Brian. Um, it's athlete specific. And what you just said is most of it's dictated by their age. So what's your competitive history? Because you need to you need to compete to get better at competing. You can't mimic it in training. So what do you mean, t- like some old ass dude? Like you're 38 and like, hey, this, this sorry, Jason Smith from South Africa. You just do the games. No, because Jason Smith's probably not going to win the games, and this is his career. So that's the second part. Is there's a real thing that's called their career and financial. You know, and and two years ago, three years ago, it, it our athletes really didn't do anything other than the games because there was no earning potential outside of it. You could go to these competitions and win five grand, but that's compared to what you could do at the games. It's so different now with rogue actually mimicking, or I think they surpassed the games and payouts. Like I can't, I, I can't as a coach say, don't take that earning potential. Right. It's up to them individually. I can have the conversations, but you know, their earning potential went from, you know, went 3x over the year. Yeah. And if you're not winning the games or particularly a top 3, 
it's even more enticing because, you know, finishing, you know, 11th place in three events is pretty close to finishing fifth place in the games. And, and there's it? Dubai now too. Wadapalooza surpassed Dubai. There's, uh, yeah, there's enough. $100,000 for the winner of Wadapalooza this year. It's, that's no joke. Yeah, that's some good money now. Ben, um, I, I had this podcast with um, uh, Josh and Matt, and we did 22 episodes. And before then, I didn't really know Matt too well. And we just kind of we just dug in and we did it. And it was interesting getting to know him. It was it was a really interesting dynamic with me, him and Josh. We're both at all at totally different places in our lives and how we want to present ourselves to the world. I thought it was um I thought it was bold of Matt to 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 I mean, I saw what I was getting out of it going on a podcast with Matt. He's got a fucking tremendous following. He's a five-time champ. People just want to fucking like see him, right? So it was like huge, huge for me. It was like basically getting my podcast on steroids, right? And so I simultaneously started this one to try to leverage some of the attention from that one. And it didn't work. And um, <laughs> and, and then after 22 episodes, he left. And I, I, I don't know exa- exactly why he left. We had a, we had a, uh, he called me. We didn't talk for like three months. And then finally, I was just like, hey, we got to figure this out. So I called him like, hey, why aren't we doing podcasts for a couple months? I can't remember. And he said, he basically gave me a reason. And it had nothing to do with me. But but I don't believe it. I, I think it did have to do with me. And, and I've gotten a little hints from talking to Josh because we've, we've pushed forward with the show that it did have to do with me. Um, when you parted ways with him, did it have to do with you? And, and I actually heard a story. I heard a story that you used a story of his in your book that he didn't like. And um, that was a, a that pissed him off at you. And I've, what's interesting is, is I've said, Josh has told me things in private that I've said on this podcast. And then he's called me and yelled at me <laughs> rightfully. So, Hey, Dick, dickhead, what are you doing? I just told you that, that you're not supposed to. And I was like, okay, sorry, sorry. But I was stoked. He told me that, right? Like so stoked instead of just like kicking me to the curb. Um, do you, do you care to elaborate or share your, what your relationship was like with him? And if those stories are true that you shared a story in your book and that caused you to end, by the way, for those of you who don't know, Ben did something that I don't think anyone else has ever done and probably will ever do. He coached two CrossFit games athletes in the same year, two individual champions, Katrin, um, David's daughter and, uh, Matthew, uh, Fraser, um, which is just crazy. Fucking nuts. Um, so Matt and I have a good relationship right now. I, I've checked whenever I see him, we talk a lot. I saw him, uh, last time, you know, sometimes we talk, we chat for a while. Um, I was going to hire somebody recently for media that used to work for Matt. So I called Matt up and, um, asked him about him. We chatted for probably 25 minutes and he gave me all the, the insight. Um, so, um, I, I think that Matt and I have a, a good relationship. If Matt had, um, didn't like a, one of the stories I, I said in the book, um, that's certainly possible. Um, but I gave Matt the, the, the transcript of the book before I published it. And oh, had, so that, that story is not true then. I don't know. And I, it, I, maybe it is, but he, um, well, as far as uh, I'm concerned, had, it's not true. Cause if he didn't tell you, then it's not true. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. What kind of, uh, what kind of emotion is that picture? Alyssa? We're young. Man, <laughs> <laughs> this is a great picture. Let yeah. me tell you what Ben's looking at. He only cares about his shoulders. He's like, man, I should have done shoulder day. A li- I should have pushed a little harder. That's the only thing this guy's thinking. I was smaller then. 
um, and that was cool. That's what that is. That was, that was just really, really cool. Um, that's one of those, that's like when we were pushing, like, not that we're not pushing now, we're just pushing in a really different way then. Um, but it was, uh, it was really, those were, that was, uh, an amazing year. You know what? Honestly, the first thing that pops up when I see that picture is I miss California. <laughs> like that's yeah, nice. California for the, for the games was awesome. Yeah. It's just like, I think it was such a better venue. It's hard when people say to me, why are you still in California with how fucked up it is? It's nice. I live in a, I'm in Santa Cruz and man, yeah. it is nice. Uh, I, guys, I've told you everything I know about Matt walking away. I'm not hiding anything from you. The, the, I, I just don't want to tell the story that something happened that didn't have anything to do with me. It was basically, I mean, it sums it up that the, the, the show was just not bringing, it was causing more stress than benefit is basically would be the big picture of what Matt told me. There was a couple of things that happened and, and, like, I think they make sense. I just don't believe. I just don't, don't let those ideas run away. No, no. Everything's no, about that, me. That makes, a, that makes me. a lot of sense to me. So Matt is um, the best I've ever seen at auditing his life. Yeah. He, if it's, if it's not for the right reasons for the right, if it's not going to serve in the right way, um, it's gone. Like hmm. Matt's uh, that's why he's a, one of the reasons he was as good as he was is when working with him, it was, it was, um, jaw dropping how intentional he was at creating his environment. And I've, I work with some phenomenal athletes, like, um, but it was, it was such a degree above and how he dotted I's and cross T's like nobody else I've ever seen. So the fact that he's like, Hey, this isn't fitting in right now. Like peace out. Like that's, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that's it. That's it. More this stress is- than 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 what I'm getting out of it. Like, nope, not for me. What um, a great what a great trait that we could all kind of like lean on. Instead of what we were saying is like just letting it kind of linger for a while. Yeah. I think that there's a Yeah, I better flush that idea out a little more before I just go fucking running wild with it. But I think that there's a there's a trade off for that. There's there's definitely a trade off for that. It, there is a, a control piece that doesn't allow just um, shit to happen that, that you might be missing out on on life. But 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 I hear you. I, I don't want, I don't want to dog it. I mean, shit. Look at look what he did with it. If eating after six o'clock at night doesn't help you win the games, then stop eating after six o'clock at night. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the book, but before we let you go, um, uh, unlocking um, potential. You say potential. Potential. <laughs> Unlocking can, potential. Canadian? Is that a Canadian thing? <laughs> you say it. You say it. I say, yeah, you're, you're saying it ph- phonetically correct. I say potential. Unlocking, Unlocking potential. potential. Unlocking potential. potential. How do you say cupboard? Say cupboard. Cupboard. It's the same way. How, how, <laughs> oh, else, yeah. how else would you say it? I don't get it. I don't know. My stuff. wife says it like 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 it's like three like words. Or, yeah, I don't, no, no, not like that. Not, cupboard? Not uh, we had we had Kate when we had uh, Kate Gordon on last night reading the news. She, you should have heard her pronouncing Haiti. Have you heard an Australian pronounce Haiti? <laughs> yeah, I can't even do it. Okay, so I unlocking, unlocking uh, uh, by Ben Bergeron and uh, don't Christine Bald. Yep, I'm thinking about having her on the podcast. Cool, she's great. Yeah, it's cool that she worked with Dave. Yep, I would love to be on the podcast with Christine. And, do you know her, Brian? 
I know of her. I have had uh, one very infrequent, a very small conversation with her. But um, well, you know what she does for the game, or well, for Dave Castro's Instagram now is something that I also do for some of the competitions. And uh, she, well, she's been. I think she's had a lot of experiences that are pretty uh, unique and selective over the last eight to ten years or so within yeah. the space of CrossFit. Um, so, so Ben wrote this book. Uh, I don't know if he wrote it with Christine, or I don't know if she wrote. Is she the co-writer, or you wrote it with her? What, what, what's going on there? Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, she's the co-author. So co-author. I don't know what that. Yeah. So she was the ghost writer for Chasing Excellence, meaning basically didn't really her name wasn't on the title, but is the same process. Okay. Um, and then, like, um, if I'm going to do a couple of these with her, she should. It makes no sense for it to be a ghostwriter type thing. Patrick, I'm telling you, get your name on the podcast. Um, so <laughs> it was, it, Ben's week. He's crumbling. He's crumbling. Maybe he doesn't week. want it on the podcast. Uh, maybe. Maybe you're right. It's true. Uh, <laughs> the Savon and Brian podcast. <laughs> you're good, dude, Ben. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I never thought of this. When when you read something, you're like, "Holy shit!" And I never thought of this. This this book, Unlocking Potential, I think, and I haven't read it yet. But from what the the digging around I've done, it's about leadership and about group flow. And when I've heard about flow, I've never thought about group flow. I've only thought about individual flow. And I was like, "Wow!" And I highly recommend. There's uh, at least three podcasts where um, Ben and Patrick Cummings and one of them, Christine Bald is on where they talk about the book. And I mean, shit, I don't mean to hurt your sales, but if you don't want to read the book, definitely listen to those three podcasts. It's pouring, it's pouring full of good ideas and wisdom. Um, What, 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 why, why this book? Like you even admitted, Hey, like leadership isn't, this is uncomfortable for me to like, be like, Hey, I I know everything about leadership. Why, Why do that then? Um, I think it's an opportunity to help, uh, and that's a, oh. such like a cliche answer, right? But it's, but it's like, consistent. There's the consistency. Yeah, that's, you always say that. Okay. So, you know, I have friends that um, whether it's um, them running businesses or people even in my own business, there's so many I, – I think that there's just some – it's again like what Brian was learning. I think there's a level of um, awareness and discipline and structure you can bring to an organization to get more out of it. And in the book, I kind of tell the story of the ebbs and flows. It's not like, here's all the things I did well. Most of it is, here's the mistakes I made and the lessons I've learned from them. And because of that, I'm in a better spot now than I was 15 years ago. But man, like even in the last six months, I'm like, we should have waited because I've learned so much in the last six months that I would rather share with people. It's this constant evolution. That's one of the things is like, you just kind of have to eventually, you know, Seth Godin type thing. You just have to ship it. It's a... but that's yeah, that was the impetus was I feel like we've been really intentional in creating something that I'm really proud of at CrossFit New England in terms of I think it is, you know, as cool as all the affiliates are that are out there. And this isn't like it, it's a it's a special place that we that didn't get there by mistake. We did it with a lot of fumbling and learning along the way, but we did it all the while being so intentional with what we're doing. So here's what I mean by that is a lot of people know that when in in business, it's really powerful to become clear about your values and people call them core values. But all that really is, is um, identifying what is important to us. 
And then what people do is they list out these core values. They create these little words, these little taglines or a couple sentences, put them on a wall at best, and then hope that the organization, it comes to fruition. And is that what you did? Because in in one of the podcasts you talk about with Christine Bald about how you were, when she came on board, you were going through the, what you called the Renaissance of uh, CrossFit New England. It was what we did. Yep. I did a number of different times. Okay. Um, it made all the mistakes possible when it comes to something as simple as core values. We made them aspirational, things that we want to be that we're not actually. We made them completely unmemorable because we had seven of them. And if you ask me what my, my core values were, I, I, it, uh, gosh, it's integrity, it's community, it's uh, positivity, passion. Uh, what's the other ones? Uh, which if, they're not, if, you're, if you can't just like boom, boom, boom right away, like with no hesitation, they're not core, that's not what's important to you. They're just words. That yeah. means nothing. So there's so many different, um, you know, there are other ones are like permission to play. Like they're ones that everyone, like you can't put honesty as a core value. Like what do you mean? You're like, what's the alternative to not being honest? Like that makes no sense. So then there, once you become really, well, I guess there is an alternative. Uh, but then once you become incredibly clear about what those values are, have you, do you then take the real steps, which is bringing them to life? Do you operationalize them? Do they actually live and breathe in everything you do in the organization? So instead of the mistake I made, here's our core values, guys. Let's have an hour-long meeting. Let's discuss them. Let's lay them all out. I'll give you the meanings and the, all the rest behind it. And then follow that meeting up with another memo saying just to recap it all through email. Talk about it again a week later. And then send another email maybe four or five weeks after that. Be like, hey, guys, just remember this is what our core values are. That is the equivalent of doing nothing. Actually, it's worse than doing nothing because then you're not going to live by them and they don't come to life. So it's an inconsistency. As opposed to every single opportunity, the leader has the responsibility to teach and tie. Every single thing that you are laying out to your staff, every single thing has to tie back to your mission, your vision, your purpose, or your values. If it doesn't tie back to one of those things, it's an inconsistency. It's a bright, shiny object that's distracting people from what they actually should be thinking about. You have to be so laser focused on what your vision is. Those are the four components of vision. So laser focused on what your vision is so that people just know what they're driving to at all times. And every time that you're doing it, you're tying things back to them. And then every single thing, because your vision um, basically this comes down to establishing a really strong culture. Your culture is made up of a few different things. Um, but what you need to then do is intertwine every single people process through the filter of core values. So how you hire, fire, reward, and review people all become a mechanism by which you re then reestablish what is it that we believe that is important to us. Because if you only reward based off performance, what you're saying is performance is the most important thing to us. That is the thing that we value the most. That is one of our core values. If you're clear about that, awesome. You have now operationalized your values. But what people do instead is they go, it's about teamwork. It's about customer service. It's about um, um, passion. But then they reward people that drive the highest numbers. A total inconsistency. Instead, you you way you hire people. So that was that's the way you would review and reward people. But how you hire people. When you hire people Hey, that's inner and outer shit again. 
completely. By the way, yeah, yeah. Inner and outer shit. It's also like hard skills, soft skills. There's all like a type of that stuff, and how you, um, just in terms of how you coach hard skills versus soft skills, and the um, the closeness into which you give the feedback. The thing you talked about early, hard skills. You want to give the feedback as close to possible as you possibly can. So, for example, you mean to the to the incident, yes, or to the accuracy. Okay, to to the incident. So, for example, if after this podcast you were like. Hey, Brian, um, let's, I don't know who does it, but let's, um, when we pop up those uh, little quotes, let's do it so that Ben can't see them, you know, or like whatever. I don't know if that's the right thing, but Brian, your picture is crooked. Your camera is crooked. Don't ever let that happen again. Exactly that. That's a perfect, that is a X's and O's. There's no argument about it. It's not attacking his personality or his character. It's just a literally a thing. This is what we're going to do to improve going forward. In coaching parlance, it would be like, you missed a piece of the snatch of the progression. You know, when you coached about this, it actually lets coach it this way. You coached head up on a deadlift. We actually want to coach head neutral on a deadlift. Very immediate. But if you give feedback like that based off someone's character, it looks like you're trying to character assassinate them. It becomes so personal. So you need to step back and create a repertoire, a resume of those things. So if you go like, hey, Brian, every single time that um, um, someone asks a question, um, you uh, look away and roll your eyes. Um, that's showing a little bit of that, your, uh, whatever you want to say. Now, if you did that the first time he did it, he'd be like, dude, get off my freaking back, Savon. Like, what are you talking about? But if you're like, Hey, I've noticed over the last seven or eight podcasts that when you ask questions, you always do it with a British accent for some weird reason. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So anything that's personal needs that kind of step back. And all of a sudden that's how you build this. But getting back to the operation. Wait a second. That shit doesn't work with my wife. <laughs> Hey, hey, this is the this is the eighth time today um, you've left the stool right in the middle of the hallway. And then I get, well, fuck, are you keeping score? When did you start <laughs> keeping score? I'm like, oh, shit, now I'm fucked. Up. Yeah, because you guys haven't built unconditional trust and unconditional love. So that's damn cool. it. Damn <laughs> it. Damn it. So that's why it does. It, I mean, it's um, so, but the value system. So what you need to do, this goes right back to that, Savon, exactly. Imagine if when you guys were getting married, you said, hey, I really, really value transparency and feedback to the point where every single time something goes is not is out of place i'm going to call it out i'm just going to call it out every single time that's just it's something i value it's like basically you're saying like this is something one of the top three things i value in my life i just like it's a part of me and this is what you do when you hire somebody we talk about this with feedback we value feedback here we value growth we look for humble people that are not only willing, but accepting and eager to get feedback. I understand how that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. If you're the type of person that finds feedback as a character ding or something that you just feel comfortable, uncomfortable for any reason whatsoever, this probably is not going to be the best place for you. Not means that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that we're doing this right or wrong. I just want you to thrive when you're here. Now, Savannah, if you had had that conversation and meant it before you married your wife, before you started dating, on meeting num- date number one, you're like, hey, every single thing that is out of whack, I'm going to call out in real time. <laughs> then it's like, I'm going to like, redefine the word nag and control freak. Watch yes, this, this is who I am. 20 years. It's because like, I value it. And here's why I value it. Because I value it because I believe it's the number one thing for growth. It's the thing that I find is the most important thing in humanity is that we are growing and evolving. And I think it's a shortcut to growth. You give a right. reason behind it. You go, hey, and if you don't, if you don't, um, if that's not one of the things that you kind of like would feel comfortable with, I get it. 
I'm not saying I'm right. It's just the way that we do it. It's the way right. that we do things here. Right. And now what you're doing is creating a filter system through a values, essentially fear speech. Imagine like the difference of somebody going like, hey, um, just to let you know, I, I, you seem to be a great fit for our organization. You have all the skills. Um, we could really use your talents here. I just want to let you know that we work like really hard here. Like we work really hard. Um, we give people vacations, but no one's taken one in three years. Um, we don't mandate. <laughs> we don't mandate that people come in on the weekend. I'm not saying this is what we do. I'm just. We don't mandate people come on the weekends, but usually most Saturdays people are here until eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. Right, and um, most people here are single and don't party or socialize at all because this is their everything and anything. What you're doing there is. You're filtering out the people that go like, well, fuck that. That's not what I want to do at all. <laughs> right. But the people that want that go like, yes, hell yes, sign me up. This is how you bring values to life. This is the role and responsibility of the leader. So that's how you create a Does culture. your book talk about all this? Yes. Yep. It's that's, Unlocking Potential. It's all in there. Yep. Yeah, that's in the first section. That's all, that's all in how to create a culture. So what people do is they're like, I'm going to have a culture. I want, I want a really strong culture. And they just let things kind of grow and they hope because they're a CrossFit gym or they're doing good work or they're a political organization that's going to change the world or they're a nonprofit. They believe that – or they're a sports team that they're going to be competitive. And they believe that just because of the industry or their specialty that their culture is going to manifest itself in the most positive way that they could possibly create. And that's not the case. It's going to grow. It's going to create, but it's like a jungle. If you don't tend to it, cultivate it constantly every single day, you are not going to get the garden you want. You are going to get whatever is going to spur up. And most likely it's going to be the fast growing toxic weeds. We need to be incredibly, incredibly intentional with cultivating our culture. It's not going to happen by accident. Um, it, it's interesting as, as I went through all these things and, I'm, and I was listening to you talk about it and I'm excited for the audiobook to come out, but the, there's a piece in there. There's a slide on, on your Instagram about the 10, uh, the 10, uh, precondition for group flow. And it's a, a familiarity, blending egos, a sense of control, shared goals, constant communication, equal participation, close listening, um, Yes, and I'm guessing that's instead of yes, but. And then Correct. in parentheses, it says conversations are addictive, not uh, combative. Number nine, shared risk, um, having skin in the game. And number 10, complete concentration, total focus. And I think that um, it, it was nuts working at CrossFit Inc. in the early days. Um, Greg's vision was absolutely it, – it, well, it always was from beginning to end. His vision – there was never shortage of vision. That was one part of leadership that was just completely nuts. I mean to a point where it was oppressive too much, but it was a lot. Like I was around him all the time, and it was just constant vision, vision. It was nuts. And if you and I want to tell this to people. If you want to be do something really great with your life and you're a good follower like me, I'm an incredible follower. Like I am fucking – fiercely loyal and i love good leadership man i'm just like i love owning a good leader see how my ego does that they don't lead me i own them they're just a tool for me and uh when i uh, i I, th I thrive there and um but there was there was there were two things in here that popped out that really bugged me 
in, uh, when people didn't work as hard as everyone, there was like when I would see a weak link, like I would never on my like there, on the executive team, there was one of the executives at CrossFit Inc. And when they were gone, they would have an auto reply. And I loathe that. How dare you're a fucking executive at CrossFit Inc. And you have an auto reply like you're on vacation or you. I was just it just ugh, I just thought they were just. And then the other thing was, um, uh, and, and, and people who take days off, I did like, like Christmas, like, you know, like what, like, like where I call you at Sunday night for a shoot about Monday morning and you had boundaries, fuck off. Like I did, I hated that. And the other thing is just shared risk. One of the executives, another executive had like $50 million in the bank. And I had heard him say at one point, Hey, he uses his, his paycheck from CrossFit Inc to pay his taxes. You know, because he made so much in like whatever dividends and, and that shit. And, and 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 he was the sloth. He was the worst person on the team. While the rest of us were fucking savages. It was basically like the way you described your, you know, uh, in, in a few sentences, you described your relationship with uh, Catcher in the beginning. Just just all in. Both of you were just all in. Just, okay, wh- whatever it takes. And so I, I, I found it uh, very stimulating just to see those 10 um, – those 10 pieces. And we didn't have a lot of the other stuff that you talked about, but because Greg's vision was so strong and in the early days there was, we didn't have trust, but it, it, we had the facade of trust because we were growing so fast that everyone could kind of do what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and everyone was so dedicated, um, that, uh, that it turned out okay for, for, for many, many years. It cruised like that. Yeah. So the kind of the, the, the ethos of the book is that there's three pillars to leadership. There's three pillars to great organizations. If you want to truly unlock everything you can out of those organizations, you have to kind of like give everything you can to these three different endeavors. And the first one is culture. Mm-hmm. Kind of just alluded to that. The next one is what you're talking about, vision. Yeah. Like, and if you have a visionary, like, like as Greg was, like a, like a once-in-a-lifetime type thing, like revolutionize an industry type thing, that can make up for a lot of shortcomings in the other two for sure. Um, and the third one is execution, which is basically like getting shit done. Um, and that involves a lot of, uh, coaching. Um, you know, and Dave and Nicole were amazing at that. So you had two of the three, like really, really, really good, which can mask another one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I would also like to say this, it made me think is if you, if you are a, um, uh, let's say you're a guy and you work for a company that mows lawns, right. And you have a great leader and he has great vision in, in terms of like working in your neighborhood and cutting lawns and getting it done efficiently. So everyone can have Saturdays and Sundays off and get paid, blah, blah. That's, but if you want to work for someone who um, is going to build a rocket ship to go to Pluto, um, just so you know, um, you have to also be a world-class follower. There was like, like, it, um, you don't get to work for Elon Musk. If you're a bitch, you don't get to work for Greg Glassman. If you're a bitch, you just don't, there are, there are leaders out there. There's jobs you can do you, but, and, 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 and you will also experience something that mo- I, I interviewed a guy, um, Tyson Bajant the other day, and he's a, uh, like maybe the greatest division two college quarterback in the, in the history of the sport, definitely in the, in the top 20. Um, and everyone on the team loves what they do. No one would rather be anywhere. Everyone wants to play football their whole life. It is not like that at Starbucks people. I would guess it's not like that even at most CrossFit gyms, even though it's probably pretty good 
compared to most other places. If you can work somewhere where 90% of the people or 99% of the people want to be there, you will experience something so amazing. Um, and, and that's what it was like working at CrossFit Inc. And it sounds like that's what it's like working cool. at CrossFit New England. And that's what it's like being on a, on a successful college football team. No, no one's yeah. there, but those things will vanish. You, there's a chance you could go into the workforce and get a job at Apple or Facebook or Google and, or Amazon. And, and 90% of your employees just can't wait to go home mm -hmm. that I can't do that. I so that, that. that's a, that's a big part of the culture as well. And the vision as well, but really being really clear about, cause it all starts, you know, a rocket ship to Pluto. Like what's the purpose? Like, and if your, your purpose is to ship out Christmas presents to people like, yeah, you could, you could slap a big smiley face on that and be like, we're, we're making people's Christmases happy and we're fulfilling, you know, kids dreams and all the rest. But uh, it might be a little more transparent than that. You're actually just shipping out products. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but if you work in a CrossFit gym, if you do what you were doing, like you, um, like CrossFit, particularly in the early days was like on a mission and it was like a F you, if you don't understand us, if you're not a friend, you're an enemy and there's no one in between. And we are going to revolutionize this fitness industry and take it by storm. And we know our way is the right way. Like that's a galvanizing mission. Like that is a get a bunch of revolutionaries in the same room together and let's go see what happens. That's really, really cool. Way more, that's why if, if you can do that for – if you're mowing lawns. If you can do that for like a mowing lawn thing, like, hey, we are going to revolutionize. I'm, I'm going to overuse that word, but we are going to create the best lawn mowing service in the world so that dot, 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 whatever it is, people want to work for something like that. And if they don't, they're going to get off the bus because the next thing that comes along is going to be just as good as this one because they didn't gravitate towards it anyway. That, that being said, I, I want to say this. I used to be a checker. It was the first job I had well after a paper out when I was 16 years old and I loved checking. What's I like a, like a checker, like people, like I worked in a place that was called drug barn. It was like a, it was like a, um, like a cashier. Yeah. Like a, it was like a, like a, a drug store. I worked at like okay. a longs. Right. And it was before Savon they had worked at a drug store. Yes. Enough said. Enough said. And, and it was, um, and I just, and it was before they had scanners and I was just it. loved it. I loved interacting with the people. I loved helping the people. I loved meeting all the new people. I loved bagging stuff and organizing it in the bag. I liked being faster and making more money at my register than all the other checkers in the fucking place. I loved like taking my break and then being done perfectly on time. I loved my fucking apron. I loved everything about it. And the other day I went into a Starbucks for the first time and I don't know a couple, I don't know how long it had been, but I fucking go into this Starbucks and I go up to the counter and the checker's so nice and there's spilt coffee along the edge and I almost leaned up on it and got it on my shirt and I almost set my iPhone in it. That would have pissed me off. And I go, Hey dude, there's spilt coffee over here. He goes, okay, no problem. And I hear the manager overhears me to say that to the checker and she goes, um, it's hot chick who's the manager. She goes, Hey, um, so-and-so will you clean that up? And so-and-so comes over with a fucking wet rag and just slops it up. And now instead of there being wet coffee there, there's wet coffee and soap and dirty rag shit smeared everywhere and she leaves. And I hear the manager say thank you. And me being the passive-aggressive douche that I am, I go over and get a handful of napkins, slow the, stop the whole fucking line and clean it so they can see like this is how you fucking do it. Like I would never ever – if I worked at Starbucks, I would own that fucking place. So that's a, that's a third part of the book, which is the execution. 
yeah. and you setting standards and expectations and then not just drawing lines and saying like, you know, Urban Meyer stuff like above the line and below the line, but coaching people up to believe in a transformational way that this is important because and make people understand what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. Can you and teach that or do you have to find the right people? No, you have to find the right people first because you, 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 that's why it has to be. It's sequential culture, vision, execution. What most people do though, is they go where you just went to go like, they don't know how to clean up the, they don't know how to clean up spilled coffee. They have no yeah. idea. We got trains people how to spill, spill coffee when they don't give a crap about what they're doing behind the, you don't have the wrong person. But if you found people like you, when you were checking to work behind the counter and you go, Hey, when we, um, so 11 Madison park, we got named the best restaurant in New York and best restaurant in the world. When they train their staff, it's, the plates, there's a little engrave, uh, uh, engraving on the back side of the plates. They make sure that all of the plates are served so that if the, if the customer were to, by chance, flip it over, the writing would be parallel, just like how they would normally read. That's the attention <laughs> yeah, to detail. Yeah, yeah. And it, to those people, they eat it up because there's this meaning behind what they're doing. There's this thing. There's this creation. There's this caring. It's all this like, you know, it's the difference of working at the Four Seasons versus the Holiday Inn. Right. Like those people at the Four Seasons want to create an experience for those people. And they hire the right people that want to do that. They create the vision for them to latch onto. Then they let people know what the expectations are, the way to actually get this thing to come to life. As opposed to just like, hey, here's the, um, the boxes you're supposed to check along the way. At the end of your shift, make sure you have these seven things done. That's a yeah. transactional leader. It really is true, man. They tell you that shit when you're a little kid. Someone will be like, hey, what's that line? How you do everything is how you do everything or how you do what, what <laughs> how you do line? anything is how you do everything. Yeah. It's 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 like someone says that to you when you're young and you don't get it. And then as you get older, like you start seeing all the jackasses around you and you're like, yeah, oh, I yeah. actually I so oh, we yeah. it's funny. We have that up in my gym. We have that that those words of my gym and I don't believe it. Oh, OK. <laughs> tell me. Yeah, I think I think excellence is modal specific. So because you put incredible attention detail to marketing or your writing doesn't mean you put incredible attention to detail to um, how you do the laundry. Oh, or, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It's, it's actually from – I stole it from Jeff Bezos. He said it. He's like just because people are ex, like even pursue excellence in certain areas doesn't mean they pursue excellence in all areas of their lives. In fact, I think it's impossible. Okay, well, that's that's balance. more optimistic. I like that. That's optimistic. So just because you're a pile of shit and you can't do a good job at Starbucks, I don't know. Everyone yeah, it means that you can be – you can be, uh, you can be a, have a piece of shit. This is me. Like yeah. in school, I was a piece of shit. I me sucked too. at school. <clears> and too. I thought I didn't like to work. I didn't think I liked to do anything. I thought – but that's the that's so not true. I can't – you can't pull me away from work when I like it. So – if we try to judge uh, the worth of a fish by its ability to climb a tree, we're going to think that fish are worthless. That's not the case. You know, it's you have to put people in the right environments to thrive, and everyone's environment is something different. I don't believe in laziness. I don't think it exists. I don't think anyone is lazy. I think people. Oh, that's so found, funny! You say that that's people so have great. not found that's so what great. they're passionate about. Because if you put those people that are sloths and lazy, put them in the right environment. I don't know what it is. We've been in the right environment. They're not going to be lazy. I promise you they're not. But someone invited are- me, someone invited me to their house the other day and I'm like, I don't think so. And they go, why? I'm like, cause I don't, I don't leave my, I have a schedule. I have a, a loop that I do with my kids and my life is just a loop and I'm not breaking it. 
He goes, oh, you're lazy. And I <laughs> fucking almost punched him in the throat. I almost fucking punched him in the throat. Like, no, actually. I thought nothing. you were like the Zen. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Isn't your, I watched, blow, isn't your I know that. Like, I, if I wasn't, he would have got punched in the throat. Oh, that's a good example. The pendulum swing. Yeah, he was he was present enough to not punch him. I'm like, I'm like, wrong, but just not all the way. Do you you know? It's it's like when it's like when people. I want to say it's like when people say to me, they're like, "Oh, so do you do CrossFit?" I'm like, it's like I'm sitting. This guy's at my house, and he's like, "Oh, because you're lazy." I'm like, do do you not see my empire that I've built? Do you not like do like do like do you not see my manicured lawn? Like, do you not see my kids? So here's, here's something I've come across recently, Savon, which I think there's, um, so I'm totally with, I, as Brian alluded to, I'm really disciplined. I love my routine. I like knowing when I'm doing what, make sure I'm getting all those things because at the end of the day, I know if I get those things in, I'm going to be fulfilled. But here's the danger in that is you end up on your loop. You end up in this loop and 10 years pass by, you've only done the same things. Yeah. So I came across this from, I, um, really quickly from Jesse Itzler who I don't know a ton about, but I listened to this one podcast that a friend recommended me. And this one thing really, I, I latched onto it. And he was like, listen, it all goes by so fast unless you have these like meaningful experiences. And I resonate with that. Cause if you ask me, like, if you said, um, 2017, the first thing that pops in my head that I try to re- grab onto 2017 is the CrossFit games. I actually dictate my years based off of the, um, the, the year, like what was happening at the games that year, who won, where was it? What were the events? Like what? And that's because it was the biggest, most meaningful thing besides like the years my kids were born and when I got married. Yeah. So the idea is have your amazing routine that like right. is going to be so fulfilling to you, but then have seasonal, meaningful, amazing experiences. Well, yeah. Uh, so imagine that, like so yeah. that you go through your you go through your amazing routine. Every day is as fulfilling as the last. You do your meditation, you do your workout, you do your journaling, you do your spiritual reading, you do your time with your family, you get to do this with your kids in the garage, you get to um go to your kids' practices, whatever it is. So amazing, so amazing. But then every uh, this spring, you go and um spend four days in the the utah mountains with your kids right right. and then the summer or or alone right or alone anything and then you have these things that like oh my gosh these like points along your journey amazingness with like boom amazingness boom because in that amazingness every day it's just there's no it's rinse wash repeat you're on your loop and you got to break out of your loop to create something truly like look back and like this is what i did in my life I, I was to tell you the truth too. When that guy said that to me, like right away, I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad this happened. This is going to be a great story for my podcast. I can probably get like 15 minutes of fucking play out of this one. <laughs> maybe, maybe 11 minutes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the second time I brought it up. Oh, okay. So you got like 27 minutes. Yeah. yeah. The first time I get eight minutes, this time seven, I'll probably next time it'll be like five. Yeah. <laughs> returns. It Matt, we should have a Matt and Brian. We should have a thing when like, you've heard us every, if you've heard us, me tell a story like twice before you should go like this. If you've heard three times, you've heard the story. Seven, I've heard that three times. She'd be like that. Or it's just like a, or, or just, or just a mute button. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's got that. Don't, don't give him any ideas. Commercial break. <laughs> Brian, do you have, um, do you have anything for, um, uh, Ben, um, any of you, any superficial CrossFit games talk you would like to? Nope. 
Uh, so then I'll then I'll tell you then I'll go um, about superficial games. How, do, how how is I think I asked you this before too. How how should someone? Um, it's like a three part question, I guess. Is it realistic to want to go to the games? Is that like a stupid thing? Is it just too hard? Is it like it, I? And the reason why I ask is I think it is. Like I like I think it's it just seems crazy to want to win the games to me and or to even want to go to the games it just seems too fucking hard and second of all if you do want to go how how should you get on that path how do you know is there any way you yes, could figure I, out whether you have it or not before you spend eight years and you're 27 years old and you have fucking no chance yeah i can yeah. tell you one right now if you look up the uh open and you've ever lost to me in a workout no chance <laughs> <laughs> okay this podcast's over thank you brian friend <laughs> Okay, so uh, I think it's actually really simple and really me- mechanical. Um, how old are you is the first question. And if you are um, under the age of 15 or over the age of um, 25, the answer is no. And what I mean by that, you're starting your journey, starting your journey. So we're saying for, the next question is. Meaning, so sorry, meaning if you're 14, um, come back next year. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yep. Um, the next question is, how tall are you? Okay. Because um, if you're six foot six, the answer is no. If you're a guy and you're four foot ten, the answer is no. How about Colton Mertens? The answer is, well, you said win the CrossFit Games. I said, I don't okay, think but how about how about Colton? He can't he's win. Five, the, four. He, he can't win the games. He can make it to the games with good with good programming, but okay. he's going to be a programming reliant athlete. You Meaning mean, his you performance mean, in a specific competition will yep. be reflective of yeah. the programming. I was at the I was at the uh, the Granite Games where he qualified through, and I was really impressed with him there. Like really, really impressed because I thought there would be an event or two that would bump him out. I mean, one that had like uh, box step overs with a heavy bag, another one with a bunch of wall balls that were really important. Um, and I thought those would be enough to knock him out, but he's he was a stud. Um, <laughs> Look yes. at that shit. Yes, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I troll this motherfucker so hard. I want to be on the ba- Colton Merton's bandwagon. So I'm on the bandwagon so hard, I man. Love it. He's that a fucking. Dope. He's amazing. I'm so <laughs> amazing. inspired by him. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, Colton, don't hold don't, back. Don't hold back. Don't, don't hold, hold back. back. Don't let me tell you what you can do. That's ridiculous. No, no, um, no. I mean, you don't hold back. Still give oh, it. No, no, I won't hold back. Hammer either. him some more. I won't, I won't hold back. No, I'll say that it's uh, for him to win the CrossFit Games. It's going to be programming dependent. If it lined up for him correctly, he could win. Meaning if the programming lined up really, really poorly for Matt, programming does matter. Now, if programming is done right, it shouldn't. And Dave does I a don't good know. job. Dave does a good job. No, meaning, okay. So um, how about let's event, just talk about those exceptions, Tia, Matt, and Rich. Really? Did the programming matter? No. Okay. No, but okay. that's because the programming is done well. Okay. Because let's say the programming wasn't done well. It matters. Okay. If the programming was um but we can um, even within that context, we can give an example. There's, you know, Matt wasn't uh, thirty points better than Noah one year, and suddenly two hundred points better than him the next year. The format of the competition dictated the outcome. Now, now Dave does a good enough job that it doesn't matter, and that's why it's a mute conversation because at the games it hasn't mattered really ever. The right guys always won, but to say like, you know, um, it, we're we're getting off track. The, the 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 idea is that height does matter. Height okay. matters. Now, because the programming's done well, if the programming shifted completely and it was all gymnastics, 
you wouldn't be able to be, you know, six foot and compete. But we have people that can because it's not all gymnastics. It's just the way it is. So the first one to me is age. The second one to me is um, um, how tall are you? And you have to be in the sweet spot for both those. If you're somewhere in your young 20s, late teens, and you are, um, for a guy, somewhere around five, six to six foot, like you're in the sweet spot. Let's make a run at it. Those are really easy ones. Like the next one after there, after there is um, what is your training history and um, adaptability to training. So how fit are you entering this thing? And then how fast do you make adaptations? Because this is people that don't like, people don't like to talk about this, but you put two people through the same training program, same nutrition, same sleep, they're going to respond to it differently. It's just, it is, there's a genetic thing to it. And um, it's not even genetic, it's environmental, it's upbringing, it's a whole bunch of different factors. But um, you, what is your, how fit are you and what's, how fast you adapt to training? The next one that goes along in that, so my first one is like, if the bottom of the pyramid is age and height, the next one is threefold. It's training history, training adaptability, and dedication. Like how mm. bad do you really freaking want this thing? Or how like, much time can you actually commit to it? That's what, that's dedication. Yeah. That's like, yeah. Because You have to want it and have the life style yeah, or you availability to of time. Now yeah. let's just say, let's back up a little bit. Let's say you have a 19-year-old. So let's, put, let's put this in the right context. So you said, Savan, no one should go for this. Like you shouldn't go for it. Like you just can't do it. It's too hard. Yeah, well, if you're hard. 19 years old, um, you are a guy that's 5'8", 190 pounds, 195 pounds, um, that is uh, 7.5% body fat. So you got the right makeup. You grew up as a weightlifter, a gymnast, a track athlete, and you have the athleticism of a basketball player. And you respond incredibly to training. Meaning I put you on a squat cycle and you put on 30, 40 pounds on your squat. I have you work muscle up for 30 days straight. You increase your muscle ups by 10%. I have you do a running program and you drop your mile time down by 15 to 20 seconds. And you have all the time in the world and you are a freaking mental monster that will dedicate their lives to this. No excuses. Nothing is going to get in your way. And you say it's too hard. What somebody has to win it. Why would it not be that kid? Like that is exactly the person that should go for this thing. Age, is, height, training history. There is how another fast one you too. adapt, dedication, and mental monster. Yep. And then the last one, which is uh, resiliency, or there's just some people that are more uh, prone to injuries. This happens in every sport. There's just some people that can't stay on the field, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, or CrossFit. You know, they're always dealing with something. But Zion you, Williamson. Yeah, exactly. There's so many talented people, right? That he just probably can't checks get every other box along the way. Like Derek Greg Rose, Oden. right? Derek Rose, same thing. Jason like McGrady. That. Yep. There's so many people. So if you have that, whatever that is, six, seven, eight spots, like why would you not want? Like you can't talk to turn that kid and go, it's so hard. Like it's it, and you yeah. see those people. Yeah. You've seen, you've seen people who check all those boxes, age, height, training history, how fast they adapt, dedication, mental monster, and uh, resiliency. There's no such thing as perfect. So no one's going to be a 10 in all categories. But you just kind of wage – if you had a 10, that would be the next CrossFit Games athlete, right? It just, dude, it just would be. Dude, like you if, know you have, be. if you have 10 years and, and opportunity, right? So that means like being with the right coach, the right environment, the right – all that. Because you take the that right person, time. I mean yeah, you could have all person, those things and come along – at the same year as Matt Fraser. That's right. And yep. suddenly you might be amazing. You but, might be all those things, but you'll never win. But you're Ben but, Smith. But, but who was Matt Fraser? 
What was Matt Fraser the year he came into the games? Think of his height, his age, his weight, his body, like all those things and his training history. He was a gymnast with a weightlifting background. Like, and then when he figured out that he wasn't a good runner, he joined a track team. It's like, and he responded to training incredibly. And there's been nobody ever that's been more dedicated than him. So all I'm doing is working backwards from Matt Fraser. Hey, it would be cool if you had a, uh, like a, um, a website, can you be a games athlete? And like, you know, you pay 75 bucks and you take that, you take the test, take a quiz. Yeah. 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 And it's a hundred questions that basically go there's, it's a hundred questions that go through that from age, height, uh, training history. Ben's like, I know it's launches tomorrow. <laughs> you know, Ben, I think it was, uh, 99% ben talks about this. no. Ben talked hey, about this hey. in 2017 and I think it was, or 16. It was called the 2030 games champion, CrossFit games champion. He did talk about this in 2017. Yeah. Or seven, sixteen, seventeen, something like that. Hey, hey, or and then and then Ben, if they get like a high score, it funnels them to comp train, and if they get a shitty score, it funnels them to th- training think tank, <laughs> and they got to train with Travis Mayer. And ha- hey, hey, ha- what's 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 our boy's name? Haj. Max El Haj. Max El Haj. Max El Haj. Um. I think we're good. I think we're, I think, I think we didn't even get to what's crazy is I had four. I was actually a little nervous doing this. I was like, you're, I, I don't really have people on the podcast multiple times. Mm. I mean, not like people like you, like if they, it's like people like Daniel Brandon, like needle movers <laughs> and uh, like, whoa, 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 whoa. what I consider what? Ben a quite a hefty needle mover. Uh, I meant like eye candy. I meant like eye candy. <laughs> He's not working on those shoulders though. Um, <laughs> Hey, so I, I kind of cracked the code on Danielle Brandon too. I figured it out yesterday. So basically, we, we had her on the podcast, and then and then two podcasts she no showed us. So now when I scheduled her, I schedule her with another guest. You know, so like schedule Ben Bergeron and Danielle Brandon on the same day. You just have Danielle come in like an hour after Ben started, and that way, like you know, if she she doesn't show, you still get a podcast. You got you guys can steal that for your podcast too, Ben, if you want. Well, I'll always show up. You can trust me. <laughs> I, I think that one time you said something like the last time you were on, you're like, have you watched the podcast? I was like, yeah, I've watched your podcast. And then I said something about guests and you're like, no, we don't have guests. I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. I watched one. <laughs> Brian is the cheese. Louise. What Brian's is going on, fan. Heidi? Oh, this whole show is. <sighs> All eight women who listen to the show are here for Brian. <laughs> Um, let me just peruse through these notes real quick. Uh, Unlocked, unlocking potential um, is the is the new book. Um, it it is uh, at Amazon. It hit number one. Um, someone wanted me to ask you about athletes training alone. No, no, Monster Energy Drink. No, dr- uh, drugs. Let's okay. Let's finish on this. Uh, do do you know any athletes? Like, do you know any athletes you personally that have done steroids or performance enhancing drugs? I don't. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. No, I'm actually I'm always surprised when the, it 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 happens. Actually, see Hunter um, McIntyre, you know what the fuck you're talking about? I don't know anyone. CrossFit athletes are no, no, doping? but we have a. I had him on the show. I really like yeah. him actually, and uh, and now he texts me anytime someone pops. He he'll text yeah. me. Oh, so and so popped. Oh, I guess I guess it's not all clean, someone. But I think this fucking thing is clean. I mean, like relatively clean. It's not because people pop. But but relatively, by relative I mean relative to other sports, to your average people walking around on the streets. I think it's probably representative 
of other sports and people walking around the street with my guess. So it's equal. It's equal to that. It's just, I would say so. I mean, like, I think it's because you grew up when this was, this had a certain ethos like I did, you know, it's like, there was like a, but what would you do if someone did pop like, or not, not pop. Like what one if you, of my athletes. Yeah. Well, like what if you went in the bathroom after Joe Schmo and there's a fucking dirty needle in there? Would you be like, yo dude, you can't train here. Yeah. So you can't train it. That's one of the rules at comp train. You can't be, you can't no, be juiced it's not up. Even a rule. We don't even <laughs> No. <laughs> you just don't. I hope not. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 we, it, try it, to, we try to hold some sort of like, I don't know what the right word is. E- ethical standards. Like, I don't even know what that's a, if that's a, what that is. We try to make good people. Like we, we try to do things. I, I try to get people to do things the right way. Um, and that's so far removed from what we would, the way we want to go about doing anything that it doesn't even make the list of things to talk about. Now that I'm saying that I'm like, damn, it probably should. Because if we don't talk about it, it means that, we, we we don't own it and we should own it. Yeah, I mean I expect honestly, someone to like, know have, when you wipe up the clock coffee not to make a bigger mess with the yeah. rag. I mean we I have mean, we I have athlete that. agreements with our athletes and that's not even in them. Like it's cuz yeah. it's, it's honestly it never crossed my radar that it would be a thing we had to talk about. Don't get juiced up number 7. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me let me look through a couple more. Um can't do drugs at comp train. Oh, Florida. So you wouldn't retire in Florida? Where would you retire? I don't know. Actually, when we were in Florida, I asked Heather that. I was like, do you think we are going to we'll end up here at some point? And she was like, I hope not. Because uh, it seems like it's just like where you, it's just like this, it seems like the loop, honestly, Savon. It seems like it's the same thing over and over every day. I just um, like the idea of being so sweaty, just in a pair of shorts, never putting on shoes or a shirt and just like, just becoming one with the humidity and just like, especially now that I'm older, like I think my body would love that. I, I would love that. I like the heat as well, but I would like to do it where there's more um, interesting nature. Honestly, it's like, I want like, don't they have crazy? Um, they have insane birds and fish there. Don't they? Yeah. We saw dolphins when we were there, like really close, like really close, like as close as the, you know, four feet away from a bunch of dolphins that were jumping out of the water. Really cool. But um, I don't know. It's like, it's perfectly flat. There's no exciting um, trees or vegetation other than like beautiful flower, but it's like manufactured. There's the Everglades, but yeah, I don't know. I want like too sterile for you. It's a little too sterile, I think. Yeah, and everyone has blue. Isn't it trippy how everyone has gray hair? I think that's the generation ahead of us. I don't think that. I don't think it's like my our parents are get turning blue hairs. I don't think. Definitely my parents. I mean, I'm turning into one. A blue <laughs> hair or a gray hair? Yeah. Isn't that the same thing? No, they they actually. I think it turns blue. I think they like color. I don't know. It's because it's like it's blue. Oh, <laughs> when I was there, man, I couldn't believe how many old people there were. Yeah. Last time you were on the show was episode fifteen. A feedback from people you trust, special followers, recklessness, mass. Oh, oh, okay. This is this is something. What, do you require masks in your gym? Uh-huh. No, Matt. You would you like when it gets this? to COVID? Uh, no, we don't. But here's the, here's the crazy thing. You don't? Do you require vaccinations in your gym? No and no. Oh, shit. I thought you did, and I was, like, hating on you in between, <laughs> like, in here. No, I'm so, so here's sorry. the— I wanna, so I'm so sorry. Okay. For hating on me silently? Just for <laughs> hating on you, period. I mean, I'd like well, you— Not silently, I'm like, out loud? 
<laughs> not out loud. I did. I did. Maybe I. Maybe I said to Matt. Maybe I like sent Matt a, a text me like this motherfucker requires masks and vaccinations in the gym or something. It was a long time ago. I haven't thought uh, about so it like a in long months. time ago. We did. This is what I was going to say. Okay. So we were, to my understanding, to my knowledge, we were the first CrossFit gym in the country to close, and we did it voluntarily. Um, that was when I felt like I, I we didn't have a grasp on what this thing was. You know, it seems like it was going to come through and it's going to be the black plague and kill everybody. We had no understanding of anything. I was like, dude, better safe than sorry. We can do this thing. And if we, us being closed for a week helps mitigate this thing in any which way, form or shape, it feels like a responsibility that we have to be able to do this. They're closing down all the schools. If all the schools are closing down, I'm, I'm on board. Let's do this in the, the, let's do this the right way. That's when I thought that was the right way. And then before I, I had no, um, inclination that this was a political thing at all or anything like that, or that there was motivations on either sides or anything like that. I was literally trying to go, I was like, what's the way that we can do our part? What's the way, if there's a way that we can stem this from spreading to other people, I want to do our part. Yeah. When we were mandated to shut down, that's when I got up in arms. That's when I got like, what the F, like you're wrecking my business. So during that process, we followed the guidelines. We, we did outside, we did Zoom classes, then we did outside parking lot workouts. Then we went inside and we had to build 10 by 10 plastic jail cells that everybody worked out in. <laughs> Literally four-sided jail cells made out of plastic. And you had yeah, to I talk shit on. about those too. You should. It <laughs> yeah. sucked. It yeah. sucked. It almost broke our business. We had, um, at the time of COVID, we had about 375 members. After um, two weeks, we had zero. Literally zero members. Crazy. Um, we built it back up to when we went back in the gym. We went back in the gym with about 120. This Damn. after a year. Um, same location? Same location. Fuck. Um, Is that the location I've been at? Yep. Okay. And now we're at, whenever this, how far into this thing are we? Almost two years. And we're still at just 60%. We have 245, 250 members now. Um, so, I mean, it's... It's when it's made sense in terms of like a stemming the tide. But once it doesn't stem the tide and it's like, well, people are like, what? Like, it makes no sense. Like, if it makes no sense, I'm not about like, I'm not following for the rules for rules, regulations or anything like that. I want to do what makes the most sense for the, for my members. And okay. once it became made more sense for them to be fit and be like, the gym is the best thing that they can do. Yeah. Like, I want them to be doing that. Yeah. So um, we've talked about it as well. It's like, if the state were to come out and say, um, you need to wear masks. You need to do all the things that we we're doing before. Um, we would not follow protocol. What state are you in again? Massachusetts. Yeah, it's fucked there. Those yeah. people. Ben, are so ben where are those that other is a fuck state? That is a fuck state. I want to tell you, there's some bad people there. Some bad human beings there. There's also I mean, some really good people. Sure, sure, okay, fine. Same as the state you live in, Seva. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! I was in Arizona and I came back to California. I, I, I seriously can't believe these are human beings. I, I think California is worse than I think that California is. I've been is a lot worse than mass right now is there are no mask regulations at all anywhere except for schools. It's the only e place. Everyone's mastered. Like I, when I went to go into Home Depot, I'm the only one who's not going to mask. I go into like In anywhere California. I go. Yeah, I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me and my kids, my wife. They let you buy things without a mask on. I've literally no turned away. No, I no one <laughs> said a thing to me. 
I've never been turned away, but I've been asked politely to put it back. But on. I'm pretty careful where I go. But they will. People would will say stuff. To, my wife goes to more places than me, and people will say to her, um, "We have a mask for you," and she just says, "No, thank you," and then they don't say anything. But it's just so weird to see Home Depot like a guy buying a hammer and he's got a mask on. I want to just walk to him like, "Sorry, dude, you, you're not. You can't get a hammer." Why? Why not let people do what they want? So you can. You can. You that's can. The ultimate form of freedom is letting people do something that you don't believe in. I, to- is. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, so it's I, like you can't get upset for people wearing masks the same way you don't want get people to tell you that you need to wear a mask. Right. I, I, total, I totally 100% agree with you. Here's, here's what I think is happening. I think when you wear a mask, I don't believe in homeostasis. And I, it's especially, and I've become especially aware of it with raising kids. There's, you're never, there's no homeostasis. You're either doing something, you're either being a good parent or you're being a bad parent. You're either helping your kids or you're making shit worse. You're either making them codependent or you're setting them free. There's, there, it's like so fucking quick, the change. And I do believe that every time someone wears a mask, you are telling the world you are. It's, it's the fear flag. You are flying a flag of fear, and you could be telling yourself it's for compassion, it's to protect, it's to do this. But think of this. Think of like this mask. Without getting okay, I'm not going to go down that road. But every time you wear a mask, I think you're wearing, you're telling the world that there's something to be af- you're afraid of here, and we're all just mirrors here. And I think that we're all have fallen into this fear narrative that's completely unrealistic and completely untrue, and that we have a we have a responsibility to each other to set our noses and mouths free. If you want to kill someone, you should cover their nose and their mouth, and if and if you don't, you should uncover them. And I just think it's compl- – I think it's so irrational. But I hear you. I'm okay with I'm okay with it being – but it's but it's not – but all the stores say here you must wear a mask. They all say yeah. that. It's not – they're not doing it – they're not doing it by – it's a cop-out, I think, to say they're doing it by choice. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, but I do agree with you. Yeah, I think that um, you're creating a narrative in your head the same way a lot of other people are creating narratives in their head. You know – um, no, I, because I don't you, because it, you're, you're, you're a conditioning of your past and what you believe and your reality is very different than someone else's reality. Somebody okay. else goes, my, my son is a doctor and my son said, the best thing I can do to protect myself is wear a mask. That's their reality. They're doing the best thing they can. They look at you and they go, Oh my gosh, he's endangering me. He's reckless. Like he's doing let, the worst let, thing possible. Well, you're doing the same thing. You're saying you wearing a mask is the worst thing possible. It's just we're all creating these fictions in our head. There is no reality. So just do what floats you, what makes you feel good, and forget about what the rest of the world is doing. Forget about what they're – because you have no control over it. It's only going to come out with a negative narrative. It's politics and – it's politics 101. It's like – I hear you except no one is – the only narrative out there, Ben – is that is the fear narrative fear narrative and there's the, there That's is not no narr- true that one's just being pushed heavily and all others are being suppressed okay fine i'm, I'm fine with that the 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 narr- the other narratives are being suppressed 
And the really loud narrative is, is that these masks works and that they're helping people's health and that everyone needs to wear them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what I'm just saying, and, and you're, and I'm being a little cavalier and having fun with it by just poking fun and saying, yeah, you shouldn't be able to buy a hammer if you're not, because it's too dangerous of a weapon. If you're not even able to stand up for yourself and not wear a mask, that's, that's all I was saying, but okay. I, I hear what you're saying, but there's a complete imbalance of, uh, there's there we're 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 completely vapid of logic and um uh fear rationale and fear mitigation i mean we've completely there's 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 no context or, or assessment of what's going on so the the masks are just the distraction the vaccines is what they i, th- I think that they wanted people to get an- another thing. Another thing. I-, I don't care if anyone gets a vaccine. Mandating them for my kids is fucking absolutely insanity. Or for anyone who's had COVID already. How the fuck does that work? Anyway, <laughs> but I hear you. I-, I-, I hear. I hear what you're saying. I agree with you, Ben. I agree. I agree. Let's all go get our legs chopped off. Okay. Ah. Uh, <sighs> thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for the book to come into an audio book. Do you have a date on that? Nope. <laughs> not even on the radar right now. He's not interested in unlocking his potential until that's released. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of things that I need to, I have a, a lot of keys that I don't know what they go to unlock that I'm trying to figure and fumble through before I get to that part. I, I, I allow myself now when I work out, I keep my phone next to me and I allow myself to take notes when I, so if I'm doing a workout, I allow myself to stop and take notes. I would have never have done that. Now that I have a podcast. It's like, I allow myself to do that. I wanted to share that with you. I don't know why, but I thought it was pretty cool. That was a hard thing for me to do. So one of the best moments of clarity I have in my day is when I'm, I take the 830 class at Cross New England every day and during the warm up process, my mind just does my mind just like goes into a really cool mode. And I have, I have a little whiteboard next to me. I just write down all the notes. It's always like before I, I start my workout so I can relate. Is it on the ground? It's different every day. Sometimes it's on the wall. Sometimes I write on a window and sometimes I have one of those little, um, like it's like a, like a size of a piece of paper and I'll just put that on like a plyo box or something. What if you think something you don't want the other clients to see, like switch? I, I write it really messy. I purposely write really messy so no one can read oh. it but me. It's like yeah, okay. it's like hieroglyphics. <laughs> Bang Heather at three o'clock. Oh fuck! I better like <laughs> just draw like a circle with a line in it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs>